Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. Hello, Darren. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate the pointy finger gestures. We also have three very special guests with us today, um, and that was just for listeners, but three very special guests with us today discuss Greta Gerwig's 2019 Best Picture nominee, Little Women. So joining us, we have from Element Pictures of the Lighthouse, we have Charlene Lydon. Hello. Uh, we have film director Rena McGregor. Hi, how's it going? And from the journal, we have Eva Barry. How are you, Eva? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure at all. So let's just sort of jump right in there. What we're doing is we're trying to, to race and kind of Not cover. Pleasure at all. <laughs> <laughs> no pleasure at all. No pleasure at all. That's fine. You just want to okay start off. Our now. pleasure. Right. Our pleasure entirely. Our, pl- our pleasure at its all. <laughs> Some 19th century way of saying delighted to have you there. We are no delighted. No, our pleasure entirely. <laughs> so thank you on that note, starting as we mean to go on, apparently. Um, but yes, so no, it is it's our absolutely our pleasure to have you, is what I was suggesting. Um, not not at all. Um, it is kind of, it's, a, it's a wonderful to have you on talking about this. Um, and what we're doing actually is we're covering the Best Picture nominees and we're racing to cover all the Best Picture nominees before the Oscars uh, next Sunday night because it's actually been an interesting year in terms of kind of the IMDb's 250. Eight of the nine Best Picture nominees have made the list. Whoa. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, just do you want to spectate, do you want to guess which one didn't of the nine Best Picture nominees this year, which one missed out on the list? Jojo Rabbit. Yes. I was know. also going to say yeah. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so all other. I really other... like Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's kind of interesting, and it was nice to see Little Women because Little Women was kind of on the bubble for a little while. It, it feels like the kind of movie that, in spite of being better than the other movies, wouldn't be the one to get on the IMDb. Uh, yeah. Little Women, is it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's for girls. Exactly. <laughs> IMDb voters hate girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're girls, girls bought, and There's hardly any of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, we've talked about this before in the podcast, where one of the inverted commas quirks of the list that we cover is a tendency to kind of pull away from first of all films directed by women um outside of uh, the obvious contenders which are sorry like uh, zero dark 30 for example which is directed by Catherine bigelow um and obviously um films that are aimed at women when we had renock on before christmas talking about gone with the wind we were talking about that as a relatively rare example of a film on the list that is aimed arguably at, at, at a kind of a female audience or kind of young women in particular and so it was kind of touch and go in in that sense particularly with regards to this film because ladybird which was another film that you know not to generalize but everybody likes um you know not not to draw a broad generalization about ladybird but everybody tended to really like it didn't make the list at all that year and was one of the best picture nominees that didn't uh, Get Out just about made it. I think Get Out was on Whoa, for about two right. days. What's uh, wrong with these people? And, <laughs> for hours, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Moonlight was also Moonlight was, uh, Moonlight was for on for three hours. Yeah, Moonlight like was on for a total of three oh. hours before it dropped off. Um, and Little Women, unfortunately, as we're recording this, we literally organized the recording of this episode earlier in the week as soon as it entered. It is already gone. No! Uh, no. Well, once no. they hear the podcast, it'll go right yeah. back in. Little <laughs> <laughs> Women was the best of yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> Little women sort of curling up to me on the beach saying, You need to let me go, Darren. Um, but yes, yeah, so like more it's men. Men going in. Uh, won't be IMDb little without little women. <laughs> Chris Cooper standing at the door, kind of reluctantly staring at American Beauty on the list, saying it's just not the same. Um, <laughs> um, 
But let, let's talk a little bit about, about Little Women and, and in particular, say, the, the film and kind of the, the book as well. Have you guys... Well, first of all, you, you've all seen it. And have you seen it once, twice, multiple times? And, and how would it rank as, in terms of Best Picture nominees for you? Because this is all about lists. So if you were to... Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, ooh, uh, I've seen it twice. I loved it. I, I can't remember all the Best Picture nominees off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a moment, too, where I'm like... Yeah. Ford versus Ferrari is the one that tends Hated. to catch oh, people off guard. It. That's not off the top of my head. Anyway, <laughs> no. So, yeah. Quite middling, isn't I, it? Yeah. Oh, I, like I actually hated it, but anyway, yeah. that's. I'm just surprised to see it there as well. It, it's it's a movie that I think perhaps appeals to the demographic that votes on IMDb. And that's yeah. a movie about cars, a movie about men yeah. who are driving cars. It's got Christian a, Bale in it, and a movie about like perfectly manufacturing something that is entirely adequate. That's like that's the central motif of kind of like. And I like Ford versus Ford. It is. It's the most brutal capitalism piece of a Columbus I've ever seen. I'm like, why are we on? with these people they just hate Ferrari because they didn't want to go into business with them so they're the bad guys yeah no the villains of Ford versus Ferrari are the artisans they're the people who like make the product that they enjoy as opposed to making it for the market it was such a piece of I hate it it made me feel so uncomfortable and then they were just like they just had dirty tricks and you're still supposed to be on their side and I think the only thing that I had going for it was Christian Bale like his character was interesting. Everything else made me really angry. I know this podcast is not about Ford versus Ferrari. I really didn't like it. Um, but yeah, so Little Women. Then, which <laughs> Did Little Women make no. you angry? No, <laughs> never. No. Uh, no, I think like, like it's a it's a weird one because there's probably only one or two films on the the Best Picture list that I'm actually I genuinely liked. Uh, Parasite, I loved, but uh, you know, as a whole, I think that you know, I I really wasn't. Uh, I I thought I might like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it just I just it I didn't care didn't care, didn't care at all. But uh, Little Women and Parasite for me are probably the top two of the whole that did something different and interesting and innovative, and that's the whole that should be the whole reason behind best picture nominee but there were so many other films out this year that should have been there but yeah. then then you get into a whole other what is best picture blah blah blah, blah. Yeah. what is the purpose what is the point yeah. of it yeah. and for yourself yeah so I've only seen it once and I was like I should have I was, you should have seen it like a second time before I came here but yeah for me it's right up to the top because like I think like Renuk um, and Charlie were saying there it's you know it's personally I just really mm-hmm. enjoyed this film so much this felt it was just doing something really nice with a, with a classic um, and I haven't seen Parasite yet I'm dying for it to out but I just know it'll be right up there for me because the other ones as much as I might have had reasons why I can see why they were nominated I might not have had that like personal yeah. feeling of like love towards I might have been like yes that technically was great or yeah. I can see 1917 did all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff but I don't really care necessarily about it too much or whatever um, just to name one um, so yeah no I just I really loved loved Little Women I think we're all on the same page about that absolutely uh, yeah no I'd, I'd, I'd agree as well the, the, the um, and, and, and it's a very it's it's very much a, a, a yeah, the, 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 the contrast to 1917 works because you can kind of appreciate what it's doing in 1917, but I loved this. Yeah, yeah, really. All the feels like, like it was, yeah, real Christmas time release as well. It was perfect for it here. And there's also, I, f- I feel like there's there's a lot of like really just accomplished filmmaking in it yeah. as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. the direction is yeah. magnificent. Yeah. Um, it's just so different and her approach to something is just you know it just it's her own thing and what she wants to say with it and she takes ownership of it which is what a great director does 
I think that's that's what made it really special for me. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, actually. One of the things I found interesting about this year, and it's interesting in the context of Gerwig, and we already mentioned Get Out, which is Jordan Peele's uh, film. So Jordan Peele and Gerwig released their first films in 2017, Lady Bird and Get Out. Both were nominated for Best Picture and both were nominated for Best Director. And there was some criticism, and to be entirely clear, I do not agree with this criticism, but there was some comment in certain snarky corners of various filmdom about the idea that Peel and Gervig were more writers than directors, um, right. in a sense of like elevating or emphasizing the importance of the written word in Lady Bird and Get Out and stuff like that. Because these things direct <clears throat> themselves. Obviously. Yeah, obviously they just materialize. You just will them into being. Yeah, but I suppose you just imagine that there are other people on the set who are doing all of the work. Kind of they, is 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 the <laughs> they kind want of a holiday a, for the whole assumption thing. that. Yeah, kind of well, I mean, in, like in say Lady Bird, the the tendency is to ignore the role of director in directing performance, for example. That which is yeah. something that's yeah. massively overlooked in terms of what a director actually does. Um, and even in terms of of Get Out, where a lot of the criticism was that it's just genre pastiche and it's ideas are what's important rather than how it's doing it which massively ignores the importance of actual craft and stuff like that in it but it's interesting that this year you had jordan peele doing us and you had gervig doing little women Mm. and i kind of watching them both it feels a little bit like there's a a moment of kind of taking off the gloves and going well you didn't think that i was yeah Yeah. one of the criticisms of my earlier work was that it wasn't directed here is a film that is much more consciously stylized without losing any of the, mm. the stuff that the other the previous yeah. film had here's but a stamp for you here's a stamp <laughs> and like you see it in like us where you have like those shots the silhouettes of people uh, even walking across yeah. the beach but here you see it in those those wonderful shots nothing too spoilery here but like a proposal under a row of trees which is shot absolutely beautifully two characters sitting on a beach as the wind kind of blows by oh. and the sands of time drift by them as well and it's just these wonderfully kind of evocative kind of striking images this is a beautiful film this is a like even ignoring and we're probably going to talk a lot about like the the performances the writing what the film is doing narratively and thematically but it is a beautiful film yeah beautiful gorgeous and i was going to say as well like it's interesting if you're talking about peel and garrick as two people who people were saying well you know the directors were they really directing got a woman and a man who's african-american and both of them are newcomers to being to directing and obviously like like you're saying have other parts of their career Gurig obviously writer actress mm-hmm. and you know so if you're talking about saying we're two people who are totally in the minority when it comes to directing and awards and the Oscars if you're like you're not really you don't belong in yeah. this space mm-hmm. I just think that makes me feel really like weird about it. it kind of shows how easy it is to kind of put people into their box and say you have to yeah. prove yourself even more than these auteurs like you see like young guys coming up and it's like he's an author and it's like it's his first <laughs> film and he's an author yeah. already <laughs> you know and you don't see that about people like Gurig and, and Peel and I just think like hmm I give a good, big side eye when I see that sort of discussion or in some people who don't maybe naturally naturally in to come as to fit into that world diminish you know? in some yeah. sense as opposed to you yeah, didn't quite draw attention into your otter yeah. o- ottership which you know Tarantino is the prime example of that you you have everything Lots of shots. Yes. screaming oh God, yeah. you know I am the director of this thing and this is why my work is genius and this is in itself a piece of art and net you know let's not discuss the fact that this is not original at all but it's just it commands attention and there's so many other films on that list this year that feel like that in some degree that just they they are just equal to what they set out to be they're not um they're not anything new and cinema should be about making something new or changing the narrative changing perspective and there was so it was such a great movie for doing exactly a great 
year for doing exactly that that you just looked at that list and go that's the it's a prime example of films that just played it safe and drew attention to themselves and who was directing them god damn it Uh, and it's i think it's an accomplishment as well for little women to 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 be the kind of movie that we talk about in these terms because it's just this generation's little women yeah, yeah. Like it, mm. that it's a movie that's been done so many times before so it'd be so easy for it to become just another kind of little women movie um and i'm sure that like the the the, the other movies that have been made have been uh, beloved by the people who watch well, Julian armstrong's version is fantastic yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 yeah yeah and i think that like every each one of them brings its own sense of like the year that it was made to right. it. yeah so like i think what i really loved about it was that gerg was like i'm gonna chop up the time <laughs> frame you know it's all gonna be um you know mixed up and um, you're not just gonna get like the typical kind of thrust of the narrative that you get in the book i'm gonna add a bit of you know i suppose you know feminism from a 2019 perspective into it but i'm also going to stay true to the book um and i just thought that that was really cool if you go back and, and look at the earlier versions they all show a bit of what was going on in the yeah. time period yeah. where they were made yeah. you know so it's kind of exciting to to see what what she's going to bring to the same while staying true to the spirit of, of little women too um it also, is sorry just to add to that like i think she there's a really delicate balance between what she was doing being really cringy and terrible mm. and being really beautiful and getting it exactly right giving like this voice of right now yeah. to yeah. this story and not being terrible like that is a huge accomplishment in my eyes because like yeah. it, I felt like if someone was telling me this is uh, not to get into spoilers but like this is how she's chosen to do it yeah. I might be a bit like oh really okay but like I think she just got it so right and it's really easy to go really wrong with that and she really needs a lot of credit for that yeah and it's quite an artful kind of adaptation and I think she was careful as well not to kind of um not to go kind of full whack with her kind of artistic license that she like if if um any interviews where they've kind of spoken to her like they've talked about stuff like kind of using George Eliot in the movie but it's 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 all things that kind of Louisa May Alcott would be reading there are some lines that aren't from Little Women but, but are from are her from books from her journals yeah, yeah. Um, or, well yeah this from is, her writings so yeah. the, the 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 amount of kind of care and work in the adaptation to 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 use things that were kind of apropos to 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 add to the movie I suppose, but also to kind of say something about now yeah. without mm. without making it feel... Melodramatic or yeah. over-laboured. Yeah, or over-sentimental. Uh, like, I saw some yeah. people criticising it, saying that they thought it was too sentimental, but I thought, like like Charlene was saying, there's a balance Art. there, and it actually yeah. gave you enough sentimentality for you to go, yes, yeah. but not too much where you're like, this is really... This is like, yeah. and, like, you know. And also, I mean, Little Women is a sentimental text. <laughs> yeah, it, like, is. Like, it is. is. It literally is. Yeah. Like, and I feel like erasing that would be, uh, again, <laughs> be, again what we talk about what we value in art and inverted commas and the idea that art is gendered and stuff like that and the mm. idea that, like, again, you know, not to tip hands too strongly, but again, something we talked about, we talked about Gone with the Wind, which is that, like, we we tend to look down on things like melodrama or kind of, you know, emotional-based storytelling. because Domesticity. Domesticity, yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, weepies and kind of, like, and a heartbreak and stuff like that because we see those as being gendered feminine and, yeah. and, you know, not necessarily as worthy as, you know, a kind of a rational, kind of very serious, very stern, completely stripped of emotion sort of storytelling. Mm. So I think that if you did strip out that sentimentality, it would not be Little Women. It would not yeah. be the book yeah. that is beloved. But I feel yeah. like, you know, you want that set of mentality. Like, and I went into Little Women going like, I can't wait. I'm going to cry my eyes out. Yeah. And like, <laughs> literally immediately, like within about two minutes, I, I was like, 
welling up oh, God, because yeah. something was nice. And then, uh, you know, Meg has a pink dress. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> and, and like about 20 times. And because I really wanted to. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is exactly what I want to be doing with my time. And I don't think it's that like thing of like trying to make you cry. And like, because yeah. I get a bit annoyed when films are trying to make me oh, cry. Yeah, and... But it's perfect. Like it does it really well. And I think there should be room for evoking emotion is literally what we should reward filmmakers for doing. <laughs> As for an God's empathy sake. machine, yeah. to quote exactly. Roger Ebert. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, you know, if it's valuable to see a load of guys going around shooting each other in the head or whatever, like why can't it be valuable seeing a load of people get on in family and have, yeah. you know, have relationships or whatever. It's all valuable on its own, yeah. on its exactly. own place. And I think it, like when I was went to see it with my mum, I turned around at one stage towards the end and she was in floods of tears. Yes. And there was so much emotion around us in the cinema and I thought, this is really special. Really nice, like, yeah. you know. My seat in the, in the like my row in the lighthouse was shaking from that you know like, not quite <laughs> like crying but just like yeah. mm, 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 not okay now <laughs> wondering what a 40x version of Little Women uh, feels like it probably smells lovely it probably seems like it's gentle I'd say so yeah. sandalwood and yeah. cranberry except when they go to the homo's house don't bring food but just very briefly then actually do we have in ter- we talked about this as an adaptation in terms of modernising have we have people read the original Louisa May Alcott mm-hmm. Little Women? Yeah. Um, and kind of how does this work as an adaptation? Is it uh, like was it a is it a book that is particularly important to you, or, or is it kind of just uh, in terms of seeing it as, a, as an I adaptation? I really love the book. Now this would not be my genre. I don't particularly like period drama stuff. Like I just wouldn't really. But I've always liked Little Women. Um, and I've always liked any adaptations I've ever seen of Little Women. I actually think they they tend to do a good job. Um, I love the book. I think it's a beautiful book and I really love the adaptation. I think they did. I mean, we will obviously wait till the spoiler zone, but Greta Gerwig really knocks this adaptation out of the park. Like, I can't wait to talk about how she adapted it, the choices she made. I think she did an amazing job. Um, So I have never read Little Women. Um, I obviously have connected to film adaptations in the past. I know uh, what, had known what the story was going to be. So, you know, in terms of like whether she did a fake, you know, fate, so-called faithful adaptation, you know, I wouldn't really know. So I was sort of kind of coming into it with that level of not having a connection to the book and just wanting to be surprised regardless. And I was still surprised regardless. And and she did absolutely make it her own and make it relevant and gave it emotion that felt different to how I'd seen it done before and it was just that particularly choices she made with Joe that I found myself connecting to so so directly that I was overcome by the whole end of it that's lovely <laughs> <laughs> very sentimental here. Um, yeah I read it when I was uh, like young maybe like 10 or 11 and yeah I really loved it and I think like yourselves uh, what I really connected to it was like Joe, her character the idea of like it's really powerful when you're a young girl reading about girls in books I think yeah. because you're often surrounded particularly back in the 80s and 90s with literature being about boys and men and what they were doing and reading about young teenage girls and especially like rebellious teenage girls mm-hmm. like Joe, where you're like she's not that interested in marriage and she just mm-hmm. wants to be a writer which I kind of wanted to do when I was that age and I was like oh this sounds really cool um they lived this life obviously in like the 19th century that was completely the opposite to the kind of lives that we lived in many ways so I enjoyed the kind of period sense to it um 
but I did feel like I went back and looked at some of the book after seeing the film and I was really struck by how faithful it was to a lot of what was going on and the sentiment of the way the girls chatted to each other in their relationships and I noticed while watching it some of the dialogue was the exact same including stuff that maybe if you hadn't read the book you wouldn't really understand what they were talking about mm-hmm. bits about Amy saying stuff like swapping lines with Pick the girls lines. picking them yeah. the lines with the girls in class <laughs> didn't make any sense to me in the 90s doesn't make any sense in the film but it's straight from the book and it yeah. gives a sense of her so that's kind of how I felt about that um, and then so what we're going to do then is we're going to jump into the spoiler zone but three questions to get us started so Charlene do we think that Little Women belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made no pressure I, it's, <laughs> it's so new but like yeah like I mean I have absolutely no issue with it being there it feels very new but I'd rather it be on there than Christopher Columbus not be on there because yeah. <laughs> it's take yeah. that Ford versus Ferrari <laughs> number Is 151 yes the Irishman has dropped off uh, Marriage Story really? yeah, Marriage Story is on its way out Joker is kicking around 30 Parasite is Parasite is kicking around 34 um, and then next up on your list is 1917 at 31 and then uh, Ford versus Ferrari at okay. 150 Little Women needs to be on there yeah. God's yeah. sake it's every, whenever you put these things in context for me when I'm on here I'm like what? I'm always enraged <laughs> yes it needs to be on there yeah, yeah. <laughs> needs to be a good Chris Cooper movie on there. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> when we covered 1917, we spoke about how there's one... We haven't, we haven't, uh, we haven't covered... 19, we're doing 1917. We, <laughs> <laughs> we will probably discuss yeah. <laughs> We'll be discussing it uh, on the Saturday before the Oscars. None of this... Ah, okay. like, as presumptive it, frontrunner. Like, all Parasite, 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 parasite. Sorry, go on. All of all of the kind of out of order um, releasing, uh, re- re- releasing. Like at some point, I think in a future episode, you've asked me, "What do you think is the, is the one that didn't uh, make the IMDb?" I'm like, I have no idea. But, you, but, but now but, I know it's Jojo Rabbit. No, you, you actually, so you actually, have... you actually say, Darren, you told me earlier, but I've completely forgotten. Oh, excellent! Oh, so it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're good at this. <laughs> Continuity is in check. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, You just have to remove the part that I just said. Yeah. (laughs) Serena, yourself, do you think this belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? So when I think about that, I have to think about is this a film that in 10 years, 20 years, we're going to connect to on an emotional level? Is this something that you'll want, uh, you know, 17 year old girls to want to watch? Yes. I had this really big feeling watching it and definitely you know without any spoilers there was there were moments in the closing parts of the film where you know not only was I in floods of tears but I was also just feeling how great it was to feel seen in a very particular aspect of female storytelling and that to me feels like we don't realize it now that's the kind of thing we're going to still keep connecting to and we're going to look back at it and we're going to feel she got it right and this was important and this is going to keep being important and people are going to keep watching it so yes absolutely actually it's worth noting in terms of, of little women actually it's um i think it was mentioned Eva was sort of mentioning there about the idea of of literature and kind of classics and the canon and stuff like that and the books that you read in school mm-hmm. it's interesting little women despite being regarded by an american classic by people such as stephen king and I adore this. Theodore Roosevelt cites it as his favorite book, which I find adorable. Um, but he's, yeah, he, is a, but he, he does. He, he writes in his journals about how he would cry floods of tears. And then, you know, 
Yeah. I, I hear Donald know. Trump does that too, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sensitive soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not. He's not reading Little Women. He's just reading Twitter. Um, but yes. Uh, but the the irony is that, like again, Little Women is ironically not taught in schools um, in America. It's only taught on 5% of kind of primary and secondary level uh, sort of curricula uh, in schools, which is interesting. The only female authors that are taught are To Kill a Mockingbird um, by Harper Lee um, and obviously The Diary of Anne Frank, both of which are, again, to to use cliches, not necessarily considered girly books, if that makes sense. Um, it's, it's incredible. I, I was listening to like a, a um, college professor talk about um, Little Women and say what a what a um, how um, how crazy it is that it's not covered in kind of like uh, high school or in kind of uh, and then she was like, actually, I I must admit to that I do a children's <laughs> literature course in university for the last two years and haven't covered. Wow, so I'm wow. guilty too. Think of all the teenage boys who should be reading Little That's Women. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. I think they like it. Completely. <laughs> well, first of all, how much healthier those little, those little boys would probably be yeah. uh, reading Little Women. But yeah. it's notable that the uh, one of the, the women who wrote the biography wrote a biography of uh, Louisa May Alcott. Um, her name is Roe. I don't actually have a first name for her. But she talked about how when she would interview people um, and even like women who were teaching literature, uh, their response would be, actually, I tend to tell women to read little girls, uh, young girls to read little women on their own time, which is a very odd sentiment. Mm. It's kind of like suggesting that it's not, yeah. you know, literature, literary yeah. enough to like be included in kind of these books that you must mm-hmm. read. But or they whatever. read Jane Austen. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's kind of like who is like who's accepted as literary well, who Americans isn't don't and gendered all these Oh, do they not? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, we read like yeah. Wuthering Heights, to. and it's like <laughs> we read Wuthering Heights, and it's like let's yeah. talk about Heathcliff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We'd all just talk about Laurie then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. There's the course. Let's talk about Laurie as an expression of American masculinity. <laughs> uh, we may circle well, back. I feel like we can have that. I think. Yeah. I think we could have a very interesting take on it. Timothy Chalamet and the so- the rise of the soft boy as American male ultimate uh, soft boy. Staple Absolute. Yeah. This actually came up in our cats uh, podcast of all things. So it's nice to have. We've spoken a lot about twigs and wigs. Do the cats yeah. podcast? Uh, Brilliant. So um, Aoife, the question, next question is: Is this better than cats? Yeah, that's sorry, <laughs> just to jump ahead. But Aoife, what, do you think that this belongs in the list of the two hundred and fifty greatest movies ever made? Um, well, you know, I think like probably similar to what Renick was saying there. This film is really like in one way it's period film, but it's also really of its time. And I do really like the idea of it like representing something really important um, and showing like this is how women felt in you know 2019, 2020, and this is how we kind of want young girls to think about themselves or teenage girls to think mm-hmm. about themselves. So I just think there's so much value in that. And then also there's so much stuff that I wouldn't want to see in the the list the 250 list stuff that we've already named out today so why not have something like this there it's so it's beautifully made it has a real iconic story behind it it is um it's a real classic in many ways and it just does something different with that too um and I really like what Greta Gerwig does with it so yeah I'm gonna say yes put it on the list to 250 and Andrew yeah in, um, and, and the list needs needs more movies like this which makes it sound like it, it's uh, the, the, like it's it's, um, it's it's just an incredible movie I mean even the like the soundtrack is incredible I mm. want to kind of well when you when we left it. the cinema because Andrew and I saw this together <laughs> made um, the same yeah. little noise <laughs> <laughs> when Andrew and I left the cinema because again we did see this together um, we Andrew was like I need to check that out on Spotify yeah, is, yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's on um, Sony Classic, yeah, yeah, as well. But it, but yeah, you could probably see me bopping my head on to it. 
but it, it, it's a it's an incredible movie because he's dancing outside the house right now <laughs> jumping between windows it's an incredible movie and an incredible adaptation because it's it's not kind of a like an old book that they've decided to kind of revamp and make it modern it's a very modern um book that kind of speaks to now it's not like but ethan it, yeah. hawk's hamlet or ethan or, hawk's like, great expectations this is somebody or, who yeah. hasn't read the book but just kind of like the 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 kind of listening to discussions of kind of how it, a, a person like me can have this reaction to it where they're like oh they must have written that for it but these are actual lines from the and from the, the author as well yeah. and from like context as well and i'd agree with that actually i and again a large part of this is down to and again Renox sort of alluded to what is the question what is the best picture list for what is the 250 for and the 250 list and again we, we've covered a lot of it and we've been highly critical of it and you know we've been sort of we've also been kind of like well you know there's something appealing and zeitgeisty about a list that is constantly changing and evolving yeah. there's a lot of redundancy there there are a lot of war movies on there there are a lot of gangster movies on there there are a lot of kind of you know uh, movies that are aimed towards young men on there as well and it feels like if you wanted to get a list that was more representative and again when you talk about diversity there's a tendency to it's think of it it's representative in some senses like it, it's, of the people who vote for this yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's decent for foreign movies, for example. Like, um, in well, like, yeah, with, yeah. With, which, which Parasite being as high as, yeah, it, as it is, yeah. which is good. And again, we've seen a lot of changes recently. Like, Caper Nam came in, which yeah. I was very impressed to see. Caper Nam broke the list before its release in the States, which wow. again, it's still there now, is it? Uh, it is still there, actually, which is quite yeah. surprising. Filmmaker. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And we Not also many uh, of them on there. Yeah. <laughs> and a uh, uh, Spanish movie, which Andrew is convinced looks absolutely terrible, but we are going to have to cover anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's kind of, it has, the list has gotten a bit more diverse and welcoming, but it would be welcome to see more movies like Little Women on there. And again, I'm not even talking in terms of diversity, in terms of women filmmakers, although obviously that's important. It's in terms of style of film and the kind of stories that we think are important and the stories that are worth telling and the ways in which we tell them. So I think exactly, yeah. There's yeah. something really nice about like, like dismantling the canon, I think, when it comes to like film or books or music, the idea of like looking at what we are told are the best things, the classics, part of the canon and saying like, okay, well maybe they actually don't have to be what we think they are and maybe other things deserve to be there. Maybe it's all based on you know, gender or race or whatever in ways that we're now interrogating differently. So like like smashing the yeah. canon is like really appealing. I well, think, I mean, I'd know? say this also, as like a guy who's written a book about Christopher Nolan, there do not need to be eight Christopher <laughs> Nolan films on it. Like, I, mean, I, 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 I love I Kurosawa, but I, there don't need to be seven Kurosawa films on it. Yes, it does. Yes, <laughs> okay, okay. Hang on a sec. Well, smash it, but don't Let's smash it. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> um, I'd but like also, to retract my Christopher Nolan statement. <laughs> but also, and no John Waters films, films on there. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Pink Flamingos. Yeah, Pink Flamingos is number one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Rena, we cut you off. Oh, no, it's just, oh my god. Um, but I think it's it's the like you know even this year great amount of indie movies. Yes. Um. You know, I'm the absolute number one A24 fangirl and, you know, Lighthouse, Uncut Gems, Waves, nowhere to be seen. And they were, mm. they, they, each one of them had something really new to offer. And I don't, actually don't know where they are in terms of top uh, in the 250 at all. But, you know, those... Uncut Gems came closest, perhaps because it was a Netflix release, but yeah. they all missed. The, um, Lighthouse almost wow. made it. I was watching Lighthouse would have made it if it hadn't gone wide. Oh, okay, so like too many like 
too many normal people. Normal minded people. God damn those normal minded people. I was watching like, it was it gradually kind of the way that this thing works is there tends to be like a slow build and it the slow yeah, build are the people yeah. who want to go see it. So like marriage story and I was watching it while it was in cinemas and it was like it was like one thousand five hundred, one thousand six hundred. And then it's released on Netflix and it jumps from like two thousand up to like 34,000 uh, in the space of the two hours it's been on right. Netflix, which is the Irishman came in in the first two hours of it being on Netflix, which means the people didn't even finish watching it. Watched <laughs> <laughs> the first episode of The Irishman, but not the second, third, or fourth. <laughs> the, cliffhanger, the cliffhanger really got me going. I won't give it a 10 out of 10 because I haven't seen it all yet. I'm going to give it a 9. <laughs> so far, yeah. It's a solid 9. I love the idea that they there change are gangsters it as they in go. It, so get <laughs> nine. <laughs> They change up and down. It looks like a Call of Duty cutscene at one point. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so no, I, I kind of, and then it, it has actually been a phenomenal year. And actually one of the things that I do have a bit of a problem with in terms of, and again, this is not a problem with little women at all. It's a sense that, and it's the way that the award season runs, the way that these things work, is that like coming into the Oscars, little women had the kind of weight thrust upon it of being mm-hmm. the the women's film in the race. Ignoring yeah. the fact that There's like... politics behind yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. But, but ignoring the fact that like, you look at cinema, it has been a phenomenal year for women-made films and women-centric films, like Olivia Wilde's Booksmart, for example. Even if you want the to go farewell. Just as the Booksmart, yeah, the farewell, the farewell. Yeah. yeah, the farewell, for example. Even like if you want to go something a bit more abrasive, something like Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale, mm. uh, which is Honey phenomenal. Boy. As well. Honey, Honey Boy, yeah, and um, Portrait well. of a Lady yeah, on Fire. Yes, and and again, like it's just this incredible array of. It's been a phenomenal year in film in terms of that level of kind of diversity. Even Hustlers. I can't oh imagine God, Hustlers. Hustlers. Yes, there we go. Like hust- <laughs> When you're in a conversation and like you're like, I forgot about Hustlers. Yeah. That's how good yeah. the year yeah. has been. And it's kind of, and again, not Little Women's fault at all and not something I hold against Little Women, something I hold against the race and the way in which we kind of construct these narratives going into the yeah. race is the sense that Little Women, ironically, despite being that big speech that Joe gives about women being more than just hearts, the sense that Little Women becomes the token kind of woman's nominee in the list and exactly. that that, yeah. that irritates me and it's nothing to do with the film I love the film yeah. it shows like there's space just for one yeah. women's yeah. film yeah. like hold on a minute but no you know? directing nominee yeah. just it's the best picture nominee because yes well done that's great well done for you but directing yeah, uh, writing you know it's Danny Lane you know so it kind of feels a bit like you know it's it's not really taking the craft of it completely seriously and about the choices that she's made it is it does just feel like ah that'll do kind of thing there's also maybe a slight ignorance to what the craft of directing means yes like and i have nothing against tarantino but like just as an example of someone who very much directs um i i think it's like really easy for someone who doesn't necessarily appreciate what the craft of directing means and go like well that was brilliantly directed that was very whatever very tarantino-y and uh and then look to look at little women and go oh that felt like a movie yeah. you know but like the people who are voting aren't necessarily directors or necessarily well, that's the thing with good the, directors yeah, with, the the, with the awards base and again this is a problem that to pick an example the sound mixing the sound mm. mixers actually have a huge problem with every year at the oscars yeah which is that the people costume vote design as well um, well yeah mm. the, the cost we, we we may talk about that in the future actually the costume design and their problems with how the oscars are held but the sound mixers problem is that you have people who have never yeah. stepped inside yeah. a sound engineering booth Ooh, yeah thinking I like this movie. I'm just going to give it another award. I'm yeah. just going to put it yeah. on my back. It's ballot. loud it's, and yeah. Yeah. abrasive yeah. and my ears hurt. Or I'd like to, to, like, I think everybody should have to answer, <laughs> do you know the difference between sound mixing and sound editing? 
And if you don't, you don't get to vote in this category. Because exactly. they don't. Exactly. I don't. So I'm like, Star Wars and Star Wars? I don't know. Carrie <laughs> well, Mulligan said recently they should do a test to see that make sure everyone voting in the Oscars has actually, actually seen the film. Them. Yeah. Which is kind yeah. of like, I can Because this is it, the little yeah. women and the parasite thing, right? Like, you're kind of like a lot of a certain type of person might be like I'm not going to have to sit through Little Women and the then I'm not sitting through something with bloody subtitles like it's just yeah. I'm sure there's loads of that they're busy people absolutely <laughs> yeah it's kind of whatever like gets most attention as well if you're seeing yeah. a, a film being you know if there's a big campaign behind it there's loads of money you're seeing it mentioned everywhere and you're like oh I'll pick that screener out of the pile and watch that first yeah. you know it's like and there's a million know. stories about Joaquin Phoenix breaking his leg and all this stuff oh my god he's so tough and, the bin or whatever, and he endangered like, yeah. everyone on set and all that stuff oh but it just like that gives you know fuel to everything and Brad Pitt also going around with his endearing name tags that's all part of it <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. but again and again this is the whole sort of situation where and again Laura Dern even for Marriage Story and I love Laura Dern in Marriage Story but is basically working the award season narrative where she's dating baby Yoda uh, right he's adorable. <laughs> um, he's cute, but he is a baby. So yeah. he's, he's a baby, baby but how old is that? They're, baby? They're, they're age appropriate. They are actually an age appropriate couple. They're the rare Hollywood oh, okay. age appropriate couple. Um, <laughs> oh, it's nice. fine when men do it anyway. But when women, when, when Laura <laughs> <Lauren's laughs> <there, laughs> the shoe was on the other side. <laughs> um, all right then. Nice. And then <laughs> Yoda was, uh, was dating Laura Dern. Um, but yes, yes. Um, nobody's talking about baby Yoda's dating life. And then second question, actually, because we're still circling around this. Um, so Charlene, did, would it be on your own personal 250? Like I'd say it, it probably will be. Like, again, I feel weird answering this question having just seen the film. Yeah. Um, but like, I very much imagine that it will be. And I would very much imagine if I ever had children that they would be sat down at a certain point and mm-hmm. like made to watch this film. Um, I would imagine it will be on my list. Yeah. And Rena? Yeah, it's, it is kind of hard because it is one of those, doesn't stand the test of time, so I have to wait for yeah. the test of time. But I, you know, there are feelings I want to go back and re-experience um, again and again. So yeah, absolutely. Anything? Yeah, because I think they, the, was it in the 90s the last one came out? 94 was the last big yeah. theatrical one. There so, was a PBS miniseries since, I think. So, oh, yeah. yeah, so the, yeah. Film, the film in 94 definitely would be like that would have been the one where, where I would again you know sit down with uh, you know nieces or whatever and watch mm. but I think now I like the idea of having a Gerwig film in my in my kind of personal list of favourite favorite films mm. I really love what she does and I, I do want to go back see this and see was I caught up in the the excitement around it or will those kind of emotions stay but I do suspect it'll be like high up there for me definitely although I think I and maybe controversially I still love Lady Bird better I, think. Oh, I really love Lady Bird too. Actually, it's a good question whether or well, you not. You can yeah, have two. I mean, yeah. I can again, have two Gerwigs. We've had, we've had yeah. seven yeah. Kurosawas, apparently, <laughs> although apparently yeah, less than eight Gerwigs. Nolans. But you can have two Gerwigs. Um, I think that's that's. I think that's allowed. And yeah. Lady Bird and is so original. You yeah. know, yeah. so you've got you've got yeah. more than than it's not a remake. It's something that's completely fresh. It so it's yeah. got that going for it. We actually had commentators on here before. Have been like, yeah, the my personal two fifty is great because I can just put all David Fincher on there. I think you're allowed to put all all of Greta Gerwig on there. And Andrew, what about yourself? Yeah, um, it it it's uh, it like obviously yeah we 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 don't have that kind of distance from it, but it's a movie that I want to keep in my head, and as soon as it's not, I'm gonna rewatch <laughs> it and put it back in. Yeah, exactly. Put it back in. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. a, it's a movie that stays in your head and stays in your affection called a Gerwig. Or, oh, like an oh, earwig. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 
And this is and this I actually really like this because really? then normally when we do this round table section, there's a lot of no, 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 it's it's too soon. I wouldn't say definitely not, absolutely not. You could just copy and paste my response here. I quite like that it's like probably, probably, maybe. I'm a little hesitant, but yes. Um, which is really, really great to see. And I feel kind of bad that I'm probably gonna be the one to break it. I really like Little Women. I like it a lot. I think it's fantastic. I there's a lot to love about it. It's an incredibly warm movie. I have maybe one slight concern about it that we'll probably talk about when we get into the spoiler zone. Yeah. The table's going to turn very sharply on Darren, so we're going like to leave Primus. that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to eat you alive. <laughs> going to wait until we're safely inside the spoiler zone <laughs> before I sort and of... And unleash... come up. Yeah. There's no. a lot of history of this, of like a, a consensus about a movie being good, but uh, somebody not liking the movie as much. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I really like it, just not as much. How I much I like La La Land. And Darren was just like, <laughs> I really liked it too. I do have submissions. I was like, how I dare you? Yeah. No, that, I think you actually said not enough at one point. And I, <laughs> I said, I really like La La Land. Not, not enough. <laughs> Which was great because then we did the round table at the end of the year and it turned into the La La Land massacre. Everybody hated Everybody yeah, hated yeah. La La Land. About not liking Little Women, I kind of, like, I think that's what makes it good in my opinion because it's, it's a... Uh, it's something that gives you a perspective or doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's something you can connect to or you, you can't. And I yeah. think it's, uh, that's what makes it so, so great in its direction. It's not necessarily crowd pleasing or, or what I mean to say, it's not really like a, it's not reaching for broad parts of the, of the audience that so many of the best picture nominees kind of do. And mm. it doesn't really play it safe because it very unrelentingly, I felt but me in um it, it it just appealed to aspects of my girlhood and my uh perspective on things that just it, it felt like it gave importance to things that we just hadn't seen before and I think that's that's absolutely great that people don't really connect to it because that's precisely why it's so unflinching in making those decisions what I, I will say is I, I was moved by it like again as my despite my reputation as a robot who generates movie opinions like I, I do think it was genuinely touching it's incredibly well made it's very affectionate it's very sweet and it is it is a very movie very moving very movie moving very moving movie that is, is very kind of <laughs> affecting and touching um and I, I absolutely agree with all that and like that's not my issue with it is arguably an inverted commas intellectual one, uh, which makes me sound much Care colder and meaner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. um, all right, then. And final round of question. And I suspect we already know the answer to this. But Charlene, would you recommend if listeners have not had a chance to see Greta Gerwig's 2019 Little Women, they pause the podcast, run out and watch the movie? Yeah, I would. Like 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Do it. Yeah. Bye. See you. See you on the other side. <laughs> All right, uh, Renuk. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is just a pretty yeah. pro form at this I mean, point, I think. Uh, Eva. I think you know my answer. It's going to be yes. A box here. Sit on the couch, comfy blankets, watch it. Oh, hot chocolate. Oh, oh, on a rainy yes. day. Oh, how would you watch it? This is yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Totally yeah. Make it that. Yeah. yeah, just like yeah. you know, just surrounded by other people that you maybe haven't seen for a while. Yeah. You know, just to give yourself a little warm hug. It's just really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Andrew, yeah, and 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 don't wait for Christmas. <laughs> <Open> <laughs> we are going to go away, away from that. Um, 
And, well, it, it could be Christmas whenever you watch it. And I, I would uh, I would agree, trying desperately to win back the audience. Darren's like, yeah, I hardly recommend it. You watch this. And no, but sincerely and entirely, it's it's a delight. Um, I've seen it twice. It's an incredibly warm movie. I've watched, had a big stupid grin on my face watching it both times. All right, then, with that in mind, then, we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone. <laughs> Greenock's got that <laughs> Okay. Um, so, Aoife, what is Little Women about for you? Um, I think this, well, I suppose it depends who we're talking about, like this adaptation of it or like women, Little Women in general, but we'll just say this particular version. I think for me, it was about creativity and women being creators and women mm-hmm. being artists and then women being sisters, like girls being sisters, you know, being siblings, being part of a family and trying to find their own place. So I think Joe is always my favorite character in Little Women because she's someone who's like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I'm really annoyed at like society and the world around me because it doesn't want me to be able to do these things. I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, and I love that she was kind of the fulcrum around which a lot of the film um, turned, even though all of the girls actually had a really strong yeah. place in it, which was really important too. So for me, it was like really nice seeing a, a, like a writer who was just doing her thing and who was struggling and who was, you know, coming up against issues, but, but pursuing them and keeping going anyway and making her own decisions. And I just think that the women is like that, uh, a lot about that for me, but it's also about family. I have two sisters. So we were obviously like, you know, we weren't sitting around darning in front of the fire or anything. <laughs> sure. We were probably killing each other half the time as well, but I love that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I love that we were, you know, fighting over the internet or whatever you were doing in the 90s and in the 2000s um and it's about family and when families go through tough times how they band together but it doesn't mean they're perfect they can also be really kind of mean to each other and that's what family is sometimes about yeah. too i mean because it does have again excellent family fighting scenes and not like family fighting scenes in the sense of marriage story you're yeah. the worst parts of everybody punching the walls but like yeah. scenes of like siblings fighting and wrestling and kind of like getting on the floor and kind of tussling but even like the really petty stuff like amy's destruction of joe's manuscript yeah. which is like I'm was never a 12 year old girl but I was a 12 year old boy and I had siblings and there have been instances like that in the household where somebody has been that petty or that yeah. spiteful or that yeah. malicious things have changed now because you can't burn somebody's snapchat story no it, it's not quite as effective yeah. burning a fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the opposite <laughs> <laughs> retweet yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a, get an online mob after them. But yeah, again, I, there would have been instances like that in my childhood that actually, again, really resonated. Or even the sequences of the girls fighting over something yeah. seemingly completely innocuous and yeah. pointless. I think within like the opening 15 minutes and within five minutes of the flashback beginning, you have them tussling on the ground, <laughs> which is, again, a very young sibling dynamic, I think. Yeah. And there was a good kind of a counterpoint as well in it because it, like, we've spoken about how like important this is to kind of... Um, uh, women who are artists or women who have that kind of like um uh, uh, you know that the 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 creative or kind of um uh, productive instinct to 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 um to have a career to also have that um that character of Meg who's not um your dreams are not like my dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She chooses ha- love, like, yeah. you know, exactly. she chooses a man, yeah. essentially, yeah. In, that, in many ways. Because without that, it could be kind of, you know, a movie that <laughs> almost kind of produces guilt. In, in, That's it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, you know, the grounding of emotion in it uh, and then marrying that with her quest to be 
a writer and to be re- uh, to, and to realize what her voice was as a writer I thought was particularly poignant about the film that to me uh, it's a love story about someone who gets what she exactly what she loves and deserves at the end which is her book mm. and the, when she's cradling that book yeah, yeah. at the end well. I broke I mm. just thought there was something about her having come through all of this and to not diminish her voice to listen to all of these complex myriad of emotions all the way through the film wanting to be in love not falling in love not being able to fit in neatly um but listening to exactly what made her joe and what made her angry and not diminishing her anger for the sake of of where she was or what she had to do there was something about her um unflinching uh, assurance in herself and her own emotion that spoke to me about get you know about uh, turning that into her creativity and then that being the you know the the reward at the end and that being the 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 love story of her actually realizing her own creativity and that's what was so beautiful about it and that made me broke down and cry (laughs) and it means so much as well because of how charming um joe march is in this like saoirse ronan was absolutely incredible Mm -hmm. yeah like you just fall in love with that character you know that she uh, she invited herself onto the film, uh, which is quite remarkable. Again, it's really great that we have a relationship that's similar. Again, we talk about like male authorship, Greta, but like Greta Gerwig and and kind of Saoirse Ronan having a relationship that is defined in terms of creativity. Where Ronan Saoirse Ronan asked, uh, yes. Yeah. So what happened is that uh, Gerwig had heard that Universal wanted to do another version of Little Women, basically, mm-hmm. um, and she, sorry, Sony, apologies, um, and produced actually by two of the same people, Amy Pascal. Um, who was head of the studio briefly until the, the Sony email hack. Um, and then the Denise Denova, who also produced uh, the original, 19, uh, original the 1994 <laughs> version of the film. Um, and so they both produced this one as well. But Sony had been looking to get it off the ground for quite some time. Gerwig met them in 2014 and pitched herself as a writer on the project. Um, the actress Sarah Polly, who's best known for horror work, had been working on a script, hadn't managed to be able to turn one in that the studio was satisfied with. Gerwig talked them into letting her write it. Then Lady Bird was released. Lady Bird obviously generated a lot of press. They made a lot of money and obviously earned the Best Director nomination, at which point Gerwig was able to say, I'd like to direct this. And Sony were like, it will get it out of development hell. Yes, go for it. Do it. Absolutely. But apparently what happened is that while Gerwig was talking to Ronan, she mentioned that she was doing it. Uh, And Ronan was like, I have to be Joe March. Um, and apparently Gerwig thought about it for 10 minutes before hitting reply and said, yes, you are. Um, which like, is kind of amazing. Who else would yeah. you? Yeah, like, it had to be, Sir Sharon. Yeah, it had can, to be. Those 10 minutes were probably Greta Gerwig thinking, people aren't going to think I'm a great director if I just put Sir Sharon in. They're going to say, well, you had Sir Sharon in. Come on. Like, she, because Sir Sharon is good in even bad movies. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I need to do a kind of a reverse casting and something like that. Like cast yeah, Adam Sandler. Brilliant, Joe Who's the female Adam Sandler? But but again, and it, again. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. We have minds. <laughs> Not just hearts. <laughs> I love that. You think he would do a voice? <laughs> Sitting there, staring over oh, his kind of version of Little Women, going, "This is how I, I win." win. <laughs> <laughs> 
he do that very kind of thick New England accent from what? What is it? Uh, they're around Massachusetts. They're around Boston. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Because this is no, it's in uh, New Hampshire. It's Concord, isn't it? Isn't it? Concord. Sorry, Concord. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's actually based again. The novel is largely drawn from Alcott's own life, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, there are some significant changes. Uh, this is nothing to do with the film, but I absolutely adore this fact. Her father was a very devoutly religious person. Um, put his family through hell. This is not the fact that I love. He did found his own religious colony at one point. Where, where, Yeah, there we go. Oh, it gets, it gets better in inverted commas. Where he prevented them from wearing anything but linen and also banned the consumption of any products from animals. And this third one is the one that I really like. He also banned root vegetables because they grew in the direction of hell. Oh, um, classic. Oh. Yes. <laughs> he sounds like Pythagoras. Pythagoras had like a cult where I think there was some sort of a prohibition against beans. I mean, I mean beets beans are hard are. to get out of linen. Yeah. is just not coming out. Unless yeah. it's cold in New Hampshire. Linen's... Yeah, yeah, it's a summer yeah. fabric. Um, I I worked in New Hampshire mostly planting and picking uh, root vegetables. <laughs> so, so Mr. Alicott never too, had his you? day. No, no, no. In fact, his yeah, beliefs the, never took the, root. I, I mean, their resistance to Mr. Alcott's ideas, Reverend Alcott's ideas, have defined like the entire. The, 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 the motto is "Live free or die hard." Like, <laughs> hands off our root vegetables. Um, but uh, actually, what the, the and what's interesting is that. And I kind of, this is another little bit of trivia that, again, I, I kind of like. You talked about it being set in Concord in New Hampshire. Because the, and again, when Alcott wrote it, there's a lot to talk about why she wrote it, what motivated her to write it, and kind of her attitude towards it afterwards. And we'll probably get into that later. But one of the things about writing Little Women for Alcott was that although she had several younger sisters, because of her father's behavior, um, and because of her father's kind of basically pushing the family into poverty, um, the sisters were never really together growing up. And there's something almost kind of aspirational about how they're presented here as a family that almost sticks mm. together, regardless of, of anything that divides them. That used um, to happen a lot in kind of big families where you kind of get sent off to the aunts. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, it, 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 like again, in within, 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 that's it exactly. Within my, my parents would have a similar sort of story of their families. But in the context of, of Little Women in particular, um, Marmy, um, who is the mother played by Laura Dern, She's called Marmy, uh, and I kind of adore this, because while the family was kind of around in Massachusetts, they're around Boston in Massachusetts. And how you would say Marmy in a Boston accent, Marmy, uh, oh. which is mommy. It was a phonetic pronunciation of mommy, oh, so kind of like, which then gosh. somehow shifts into proper English as Marmy, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is kind of, I always found that. Wow, kind of weird. I often wondered that. I just thought it was a thing from like the time. Controversially, I was not totally on board at Laura Dern's performance as Marmy. I don't know if I'm totally alone on that, but I kind I of thought it was a bit uh, like slightly like grand like, yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. I mean she's Laura Dern so obviously she's a legend so we People get that out of the way yeah. but you know because I, I, there's a, the really kind of famous bit is when she talks about how she's constantly angry inside and she's obviously a, you know as a woman she's really concerned about other people she's very selfless her own husband is off in the civil war she volunteers and we, there's that scene where she gives um, an old man whose sons have died gives him like a scarf. coat and money mm. and so forth I think it might be a scarf in this in, in this one and 
you know, she really feels the weight of the world on her shoulders. And I kind of didn't always get the sense, like, Laura Dern was quite composed. And mm, yeah. when she was like, I'm angry all the time, I was like, I don't know if I quite feel that. It's there, like we didn't get know? enough from her. Yeah, because she's such an amazing actress. I kind of, mm. maybe yeah. I was thinking of her as well in Marriage Story, where she's like completely angry. Different yeah, again, yeah. Yeah. Quite, you know, so. actually angry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think it was a, like, like, it's a balance of that, that tone of not pushing it too much but I guess in context to like to me what was really fantastic about this adaptation was um you know less than half an hour in I'm, I'm on board with who everybody is and every actress and how they were written you just got a really round sense of their character and their depth and you know I think there wasn't as as much attention to to Laura Dern because she was kind of there and I think uh, tonally she worked fine and it was and it was grand but everyone else had so much depth to them in such little time yeah, yeah, I, mean, well, then, it, yeah. I kind of go with again and, and it's the issue of adapting a book is that again i read little women years and years ago so i don't have that good a memory of it but having recently watched adaptations of it what you see is that adaptations tend to preference different characters yeah. in them yeah. so jillian armstrong's book or sorry adaptation preference gives marmy a lot more material with mm. susan saradin playing yeah. the role um and you can tell that versus laura dern here for example yeah. whereas on the other hand this version gives a lot more material to amy who has mm. traditionally been seen as the lesser of the marsh twins the, yeah. the most hateable one the one that people the love to hate the brat yeah. Yeah. yeah um and again when even if you look at say the jillian uh, armstrong version where again kirsten dunce gets quite a lot of material to play but samantha mathis as the adult amy gets next to nothing yeah to mm-hmm. she's um, barely there she's barely yeah. there for example there's no context yeah. then to her journey and yeah. her relationship with laurie i'm sure yeah. we'll talk about amy more yeah. but uh but definitely in this one what what they've done with amy it is just like a miracle like it's so fantastic because you generally are kind of grand thinking she's a bit of a brat and but they just give her such like florence Pugh gives her such life but like it's like justice for amy like it's just like let's <laughs> yeah. actually look at amy and look at like you know what she wanted and then why she got it and why it's it's good like you know yeah and all the stuff around her being an artist and being really frustrated with her art or kind of looking at people who are amazing and thinking i'm never going to be as good as them so i'm even bothering Mm. it gave me that sense of her as an adult where i was like oh i never even really thought about that character in that way that she had like you're saying desires and um and yeah she's kind of forgiven for her being a bit petulant and maybe the other adaptations it is it is a slight problem and again i think pew is amazing and pew is one of the greatest actors of her generation which is something to say 24 but i mean like i look at the films that she's done like i like midsummer a bit less than most but she is phenomenal in it her cry um, face is pretty good yeah i like again lady macbeth i like a little bit less than most but she is phenomenal mm. in it and fighting with my family family. (laughs) which is like again a really light family friendly i really like it but it's Mm. not going to be an all-time classic but she is phenomenal in it (laughs) absolutely it's like she elevates everything and everyone around her i feel bad like it's like she's you know she's overdue a movie where she she's allowed to just be okay and mediocre but unfortunately it's just like never gonna happen (laughs) like she's just always gonna be great and that's always that's quite quite a lot of pressure for someone that young but Mm -hmm. it is and again it's like being cast in a movie with florence and you're like here this is a great ensemble as well and it's like Florence <laughs> like again uh, Saoirse Ronan we talked about is fantastic I like Laura Dern a bit more than most people I really like that speech because it's underplayed yeah, yeah. but again with Florence Pugh is yeah. the thing so you're wondering like these are great actors and a great cast what happens when you know a so-so 20-something actor gets cast opposite Florence Pugh and it's like are well you... I guess we know who this movie belongs to yeah well I, I mean people there's a kind of an opinion at least that Emma, Emma Watson is a 
Yeah. So, so, link yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's contextually as well, because I think she, I, I particularly uh, was impressed with Emma Watson in this in a way that I hadn't seen her um, in, in anything she's done have that much depth. And I think mm. for, for, uh, it's Meg, isn't it? It's yeah. Meg. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you got the sense when you're watching her scenes that you're like, oh yeah, they got to do something with Meg because we really just want to get back to Amy and Joe. But mm-hmm. um, I was really surprised by how much depth and sweetness she had. I thought everything about how she was directed was was fit perfectly. I didn't think it was a weak link. It just fit fine. She was playing yeah. against type as well. Like, I mean, she really wasn't True. doing Emma Watson. She was doing something very different. And while I definitely feel like Meg is... I, I felt like okay come on you know, wrap yeah. this up or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they did a, a solid job of get, getting her story out yeah. there and you feeling and understanding and understanding what this story means in the context of what the full story is yeah. ooh, ooh. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, also sorry. it's the the, um, the really big importance of it always you know whether we're looking at Amy's story whether we're looking at uh, Meg and Beth is how it relates to Joe's emotional exploration yeah. of her art and her and her creativity. So, you know, to me, one of the things I saw on Twitter, I can't remember who said it, but the way she wrote in quick succession uh, Beth's death, Meg's wedding, uh, one followed by the other, is that she looks at it as losing two sisters instead of one, which yeah. Yeah. when you put that in the context of what you've seen with Meg, then that gives everything so much resonance. And it's just... That, that was just a really smart sleight of hand by, yeah. by Gerwig. There's a lot to, to unpack there, but just before we move off Meg, it's worth noting kind of two things. Again, I, th- I think that Meg is like Marmy, a character who suffers in this adaptation as compared to others. Mm-hmm. I think that she's very much the co-lead in the Gillian Armstrong version yeah, as opposed yeah. to here where she's, you know, kind of bumped down for Amy. Yeah, but I also... You, sorry? You, like, um, Joe was kind of saying, but you're this great actress. That's what you should be doing. And we don't really get to... To uh, see her actually be an actress. Yeah. That. No. Oh, yeah. like, yeah. so, 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 so we don't know if, if Joe is just kind of putting that yeah. on... Uh, on Meg or Meg. kind of projecting it. I, I kind because of, she doesn't want to get married. suggesting that. Because I... I mean, there was nothing performative about Meg as a... Yeah. I, I didn't really see her give us any indication that she wanted to be an actress yeah, yeah. at gonna, all. If you're going to have one character who's a great actress, it would be Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that's the thing. And again, like I really like Emma Watson as like, she comes across very well in interviews. She's had to deal with being famous oh, from totally, a very young age yeah. and she's very active in causes that are very worth supporting. I, you know, would hesitate to call her a great actor. Um, and that's fine. What's interesting is that she was last minute addition to the cast. Originally supposed to be Emma Stone. Meg was, and part of me wonders if, and again, this is the thing where we will probably, we'll probably, we'll probably never know. And again, this we're probably going to talk about Gervig's kind of writing, structuring, and ending the film in a moment. But what Gervig did when she was writing the film is that she apparently wrote a huge version of it, then pared it down, gave it to the Sony executives. And then when she was filming would slip a lot of the material back in based on kind of what she was feeling or what she wanted to kind of emphasize. Um, And in particular, it's notable. Again, we talked about Amy. Amy has that wonderful speech when she's with Laurie in the art studio. And we, we alluded to it when we talked about the, you know, I don't want to be a very good artist. I want to be a great artist. She's but it's so unfortunate but, that she enters into the Paris art scene at that particular <laughs> moment. Yeah. Bad timing, yeah. Amy. Yeah. Um, but the, the moment where she talks about marriage as an economic proposition. Yeah. 
That was uh, something that was actually suggested by Streep, uh, Meryl Streep, when she met with Gerwig about taking the part um, of Aunt March. Because she was like, the audience needs to understand the context of marriage in Little Women. Yeah. So Gerwig um, apparently took that on board, wrote the entire speech uh, on a handheld piece of paper, gave it to Florence Pugh. And again, this is one of those, is Pugh the greatest actor of our generation? Gave her this speech about five minutes before they started filming. Whoa. Um, Jesus. Like, yeah. So much like like seasoned depth that she delivers yeah. to that. That's just matter of fact and... Like, this is how it is. And it's just, it, that's insane. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and it's, it's great as well because you have this sense from Joe, who doesn't really take her sister Amy seriously. It It, 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 it is, yeah. it, going back to what he said, kind of justice for Amy. Yeah. We, we, we get kind of how, like, elo- elo- eloquent and kind of articulate um, uh, But how much Amy it grows. And, yeah, yeah, but how, yeah, how much depth. And again, this is one of the things where, and this is one of the discussions that they've had around the film. And again, biggest Florence Pugh fan in the world. But the casting of, like, traditionally adaptations of Little Women have tended to <laughs> a, age Amy. That's it, two Amys. Uh, one of them played by Elizabeth Taylor in 1944, I believe, mm-hmm. which is a performance that I didn't get time to watch, but I really want to now. Um, but, like, traditionally they have the actor swap. So, like, you go from Kirsten Dunst to Samantha Mathis in 1994, for example. And Gervig makes the choice of keeping Pugh consistently as Amy throughout. I like the decision conceptually. I think that it allows Pugh to play the full range of the character. Mm. At the same time, it's been asked, what age are we supposed to believe that Amy yeah. is yeah. Um, in the early sequences, in the flashback sequences? Or does it matter? That's fair. I, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. if, if the Irishman is going to go there, yeah. then... <laughs> oh, CGI DH, Lawrence. <laughs> like, give, her, give her bangs and tell us she's 12. I don't care. She yeah. is very baby-faced, which probably helps, but I yeah. did see... But she on... also has a very, like, deep voice, which she is does. a bit odd. <laughs> she does. Well, I, I did see Hi, a photo on, uh, on Twitter of people comparing the scene where she's in the classroom surrounded by people as yeah. a scene in Elf when he's in the classroom. Oh. So I couldn't, couldn't get out of my head. Well, I, I was like, it's a little, you know, I know I it's not that bad, too. but it is quite kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. She is kind of there and uh, like a grown woman, and you're like, yeah. what? Maybe it's a class where they're all just mixed ages. That's kind of what I'm I actually thought that too. Small yeah. school, you know, could but be the, five, yeah, whatever. But yeah. Given that, like, the implication is that they're all taking advantage of her naivety with lines and caricatures, it does make it seem like Amy's maybe not too bright. Yeah. Amy's just remedial. She's been held several times because she still can't get the. The, the lines right but actually and Rina sort of brought this up the structuring oh, it's, of the... it's like us really trying to fit in with young people yeah. <laughs> hit and like, speak for yourself humiliating like. ourselves yeah. Yeah. hit and with it tiktok quibby um, <laughs> <laughs> twitter um, that's what yeah. she's doing yeah but uh, what's about to say so Rina brought up actually the, the structuring of the story by Gerwig and the decision to tell the story out of sequence, because traditionally the way that Alcott structured the novel, and this is, again, a, an interesting cultural divide, which is that in the States, it's one book. In the UK, it is two books. And in fact, this has actually been a cause of some confusion when people from England talk about Little Women with people from America, where there's Little Women, there's Little Wives, and then there's Joe's Boys. But in the US, Little Women and Little Wives are paired together. Um, and the idea is that, like, Little Wives ends with Joe married at the end to uh, Professor Bear. And we'll talk about how bearable or not he is later on. Ooh, Ooh them's fighting words. But the um, it's a, generally a kind of a linear story. Most adaptations follow a linear path. Gerwig kind of slices it up. And it's an interesting approach. And I think it works remarkably well for the reasons that Renock alluded to there. In that it allows, first of all, it allows the juxtaposition 
of events and sequences and it allows you to see scenes played back to back in a way that reflects and this is something Gerwig does very well in Lady Bird as well actually and I think this is when you talk about direction and underappreciated values in direction Gerwig masters the passage of time remarkably well and you can see it in Lady Bird where like the seasons change over the course of the film and you get a sense of how long it's been even though it's only technically been a year for the characters here you get to see things like the trip to the beach where with the boys where Amy first meets Frank Mm. um, juxtaposed with the sequence later on where sequence like immediately afterwards in the film where Joe and Beth go and sit on the beach together and it's grey and overcast and dead you get the contrast between the sequence where Beth first gets scarlet fever Mm. Um, immediately followed by the sequence where she passed away, which allows for those wonderful yeah. the, the repli- sorry, <laughs> yeah. but the replicated kind of shots where you have Joe running downstairs, seeing Marmy sitting there, Marmy mm-hmm. turning around and you realizing that Beth is there the first time, yeah. and Marmy turning around and you realizing that Beth isn't there the same the second time, using the same camera positions, mm. which is very effective. With nothing effective. said whatsoever. Yeah. 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 Just, that was a beautiful sequence. Yeah. And like this is exactly what I'm talking about, how that could have been horribly wrong yes. and really lame. But it just wasn't it just worked i thought it was beautiful and really brave like it was a really emotion yeah it was a risky move and a lot of these choices that she made in adapting little women of all things that people love uh they were risky things and i think that that one that particular choice really worked and also as you had mentioned like that is in like it's very around the same time as meg's marriage it's like death of childhood Here's the rest of it now. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's really, really interesting. The next train has arrived. Yeah. 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 And the fact that it works so well for people who, like, everyone who knows, <laughs> like, anyone who's seen Friends knows <laughs> that, that Beth <laughs> died. It's not as a kind of a secret anymore, but it's so but affecting. It's yeah. also in the casting as well. And again, I love Ilsa Scanlon. I think she's phenomenal. I think she's going to yeah. be a great actor. She's really good in Sharp Objects, for example. Yeah. But it, it's very much, again, it's almost, again, not not to get too sort of like um, pop culture or to use an invalid comparison. But it's like Star Trek, where it's like, we're going to beam down an away team to the planet. Almost certainly one of us is going to be killed. Yeah. We're, ta- <laughs> we're, we're taking Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, <laughs> and that actor who is who from that TV show. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did, like while 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 she was maybe asked to do very much, I I, I really uh, did enjoy her in it. Yeah, like it's, no, it's the thing of like you know it's she you know she is one of the pure hearts of the yeah. film, and I think you don't overlabor that. You don't give her drama. You just let her be everything that you can project your affections onto. Yeah. For yeah. example, like that's <clears throat> quiet scene where. Um, where she comes down to Marmy at the, at the table, the one that killed me is the Chris Cooper scene where oh, yeah. you only referred to, to it slightly before that he had lost his daughter and he comes down to listen and you don't have to over labor that. You just have to sit there and recall that in your own memory, which is a, impressive in, in, in a director to allow an audience yeah. to go there. Definitely, and like the the opening of the book is um all is all kind of heavily on dialogue and all about how the sisters get on and it sets up who they are and you really get a sense of their distinct personalities and you start to really care about them and this film does that so well where like even if you don't see that much of of a character even when there's not maybe as much stuff going on you just feel that love and that sibling kind of relationship between them and that the home being this like warm welcome place and that I've just felt that warm welcomeness the whole way through and that's welcomeness. And, not even worried but I felt that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think she Eliza Scanlon is particularly good with that I think she just feels like 
part of the fabric sister, of everything. You know? yeah. Which is yeah. remarkable when you've seen her performance in Sharp Objects. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, this is the spoiler zone for everything. So I will say it's a very, <laughs> very different character. Yes, yeah. Uh, which is remarkable. Again, so one to watch going forward as well. Yeah, maybe. for sure. Oh, great. Uh, Actually, the, um, you know, like when I think about this, uh, the dynamic of the siblings and what was new about this version was, you know, you did have a very adversarial uh, conflict and friction, of course, between Joe and Amy. And of course, going back to why Amy in this version is unique and more relatable. You know, I think it's there are so many women in my life who I've never been able to really connect to. And it's probably because we share the same ideals, but we come at them differently. And I think it just made me think about all the women and the female friends and even, my, you know, my sister as well, to a point, you know, we come at life so differently that we can't really connect on an affectionate, you know, all brilliant, you know, level. And that's something very specific to, to women um, because in this one, Joe and Amy are pretty similar mm. in so many ways about their outlook on marriage. They just have very different ideas about what they want to do about it. And I think that was really, really smart about that dynamic of the siblings was that it just made it feel like yeah this is exactly how complex close and strange and then estranged female relationships can be yeah and but also that n- none of them are wrong and yeah, that yeah, meg is yeah, not yeah, wrong exactly, either yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, like they're all, all dealing with whatever you know for their own reasons and mm-hmm. i think that's a really beautiful beautiful message which is it's also the, in the book of course but uh they i think that they just do it really well yeah yeah you kind of like there's so much talk now about like you know how women how women are represented in films and what we see in women and and the kind of bechdel test idea which has obviously been around for a good while and i think that's why people women love little women because it's loads of women who have different opinions who want different things out of life mm-hmm. none of them is like the bad wrong person to want marriage or not want marriage and it's like it's a nice kind of cold drink of water to be like oh it's yeah. okay to kind of be yeah. who you are as opposed to seeing female characters who are pigeonholed into one thing or you know may, you know not given very good uh, dialogue or just a kind of a cipher or whatever so that's why i think it, it has that appeal for, for yeah. women as well or adversarial because you're different or see yeah. things differently yeah. you're a like, brat for not for not re- going the more uh progressive route like yeah. joe that makes it, 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 it's so effective at helping you to kind of re- re- relate the characters of this movie to kind of women that you know. Like that, yeah. that's it, it, it. Like throughout the movie, I just couldn't help but think of people from the, the real world, you know? Mm. Yeah. All the time, yeah. yeah. I, I find myself thinking of, like, like I said, people that, you know, like friends or would have been friends that we had, like, you know, like housemates that would have fallen out yeah. with or something, that there were so many you know rooted similarities about life uh, that were quite sibling-esque yeah we just never connected for those reasons we're just you know fundamentally different but have the same goals and i guess that's what i thought was most profound about amy and joe for that reason it just made me think of women that had just slipped through the net right Mm -hmm. And I like that it's scrappy, like it, all the little conversations and all the little fights are scrappy and they're not like, I think that's that's where direction comes in as well, is that like there's a real freedom. I feel like all those scenes play out very, very freely and not to compare it to the 1994 version, which I also very much like, but that is a little bit more, I'm a film. Whereas this one, I think everything plays out a little bit more messy and like scrappy. And yeah. Except, yeah, yeah, except yeah. the kisses aren't as messy. I haven't seen the 1994 <laughs> version, but I believe there's a very, uh, there's a lot of spit in the kiss, uh, isn't there? It's very yeah. 80s. 
there's a scene um uh, or like a video that's i think it might be on youtube or something but it shows got a garbage directing ladybird and there's the scene um where ladybird and her boyfriend at the time are like running around the gardens and kind of that, that scene oh yeah, yeah. It, yeah and she it's so interesting seeing the way she directs them because mm. she's like so full of energy she's like keep running do this blah 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 and she's like laughing and doing all these things you don't think directors should do when they're directing and that gave me such an insight into how it was lovely and i was like no wonder they really enjoy working with her yeah and then that freedom within that scene then you can see it like you feel it i suppose yeah you really can like sometimes it's a bad thing when you watch a movie and you feel like people are enjoying (laughs) (laughs) but the 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 joy kind of out of out of out of the scene with 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 joe marsh and laurie kind of the wearing each other's clothes and those details yeah, and stuff and yeah. very cute oh, love like them the costume designer made two of every costume one so that uh, Timothy Chalamet could wear it one so it's really and is yeah. replicated oh. in both proposal scenes yeah. as well yeah. or like the mock proposal that Joe has uh, isn't it he's wearing the the waistcoat and then when he proposes she's wearing the waistcoat yeah because they're that close it's just little like to find oh costumes I could talk about the costumes for about an hour costume design deserves a lot of uh, a a lot of praise Jacqueline oh what's her name but she has done some of the most prolific you know outfits like the iconic moments in costume design Um, Mm. and just even down to the tones how we cut to um, uh, to to Meg it's all brown and earthy Mm. and then you cut to um to Amy in Paris and it's all watercolours and yeah. these big beautiful sumptuous blues and mm. and uh, Joe is just uh, you know like a absolute hipster straight in Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn you know yeah. it's just everything is so delicately woven into it and even down to colour and palette those colours come back in when she's thinking of, yeah. of Beth and um, and you know where her headspace is at it's just all those things I'm like you know, give me all of that it's, and they, they did stuff like in the original kind of time period they would have worn like very hooped skirts and they would have had very structured hairstyles and they would have been curling their hair and that's why the big scene where yeah. Meg's <laughs> hair gets burned and stuff because they would have had these very structured things but they did the opposite she did the opposite to this in in this version where like Joe's hair is running wild and it's long and it's curly yeah. and, they're, and her outfits are quite uh, you know masculine in inverted commas and they're not wearing as structured outfits but yeah. I think if you were like a costume design historian you might be like 1986 I didn't dress like this yeah. but I Amy's think we, that's really nice to us yeah actually maybe her dress yeah. is in France but she's structured like yeah. she's in society but that's part of I suppose that. the whole thing in the book and the film is about like it's almost like Louise May Alcott via Joe being grateful for the world in which she grew up in allowing her and like or forming her as an artist yeah. and part of that like visually part of that is like joe wears whatever she wants and yeah. at the family space is a space where she's allowed to do that because this is her family you know and then when she's at the party with laurie and meg and like she's just like oh well, like i'm <laughs> not able to do this and because she's uncomfortable because that's not her and she's allowed to be herself at home so i think that's why the costume is so important yeah. i mean i've heard a lot of criticisms of the film that like the costumes and the decor is like and that it's kind of like oh it's like hipster chic blah 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 and i get it i get what they're saying but at the same time i think there is actual narrative reasons why that's the case and not just because like greta Gerwig lives in brooklyn like (laughs) she absorbs everything like joe's joe's uh costume like you say it's kind of she wants to absorb the whole world around her so as she grows and especially the difference of her and 
Brooklyn and the difference of her um, back home, mm. you see how she's absorbing the world around her and how she yeah. wears things like waistcoats and mm. the different hats that she wears and, you know, the, the, the soldier's thing that she puts on when she's going to get yeah. to work yeah. riding and just yeah. like, I love that. I don't care if it's hipster. Absolutely like, yeah. love it. I would point out actually that the costume design is actually drawn from period paintings. Um, and so like that's how it is and again this is one of those things where how we have traditionally portrayed uh period dramas and again this is similar to things like say the the tendency for historical dramas to be predominantly white even when set in london which has always been a trade port and a capital of industry and therefore has always had a much more diverse uh selection of life than people tend to think of and it's something that comes up a lot when you look at bbc period dramas at the moment where the daily mail inevitably the daily mail is very (laughs) angry about the fact that there are people of color in 18th century london (laughs) Ignoring the fact that historically speaking, there actually would have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, history, yeah, history is a lot more. Yeah, but, but they're angry at history as well. Imperialism. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Even with nineteen seventeen, the Daily Mail were going off about that because oh, actually, oh, a fairly diverse cast compared to other films of that era that you'd see. Um, and you know, they were going mad about that as well. Lawrence Fox. It was going off about that. Oh, of course, it was Lawrence Fox. Somehow, it ended up being racist by being more diverse according to him but such a shame because they have a great puzzle section (laughs) (laughs) it's like reading the telegraph film section kind of make you maybe not want to buy the paper Um, but yeah and again and it's worth noting that you know in that context i think there's an argument to be made that those sort of period details while not conforming to what you would expect of a period drama are actually drawn and it is uh jacqueline um duran Duran, I think it is, yeah. Kathleen hey, Duran, yeah, is, is the, the costume designer there as well. And actually, let's, because we kind of, I think, alluded to this a bit with, with Laurie and stuff like that. One of the interesting things that I think Gerwig's structuring of the film does, and which I think is one of the reasons why it's so clever, aside from allowing for the juxtaposition of those moments in a way that recalls the way memory works, as opposed to the way that, you know, literary storytelling works, is that it also very cleverly gets around one of and again, it's weird to talk about Little Women having a fandom, but it has always had a fandom. One of the controversies in historical Little Women fa- uh, fandom, which is the question of Joe and Laurie. Because of the way in which Little Women was structured as a book, which is that, you know, the wedding and the, the death of Beth and kind of the, the existence of the friendship between Joe and Laurie, there was always an expectation from as far back as the first book was published that Joe and Laurie would end up together, even though Alcott did not want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and again, Andrew sort of mentioned that a lot of lines come from Alcott herself. In particular, that line from Joe, I'd rather be a literary spinster and paddle my own canoe, is a line that comes from yeah. Alcott's own writings as well. Um, but the one of the big issues is that fans um, of the book uh, historically wanted Joe to get married. And again, this is something where maybe we'll talk a little bit about the ending later on. But like, the ending of the book with the marriage was not forced on Alcott by the publisher. It was forced on Alcott by the fans uh, because she kept getting letters from women who were loving little women and wanted to know who Joe was going to marry. And in fact, she's actually said that the reason that she wrote Bear in was because she wanted to uh, make a funny match for Joe. She, <laughs> she imagined all the fans of little women wanting to pour vials of poison all over her head uh, when they read the book and sort of it's got great the trolling. It is it's fantastic <laughs> yeah. literary trolling. Yeah. Um it's very much like the rise of Skywalker if it were like a 19th century American novel. Um but uh, the thing with Joe and Laurie is that because the way the book's structured it builds up to the rejection in the middle. Yeah. So you've had a solid half of the book 
where if you are reading it with that romantic eye, you're inclined to believe the story is going to be Joe and Laurie getting together. One of the smart things that Gerwig does with the structuring, and I think it's one of the really, really smart things about how the story is told here, is she immediately gets that out of the way. Mm. You know in the opening 10 minutes that Laurie proposed to Joe and Joe said no. And so when you're watching the rest of the film, there's no expectation going into it. And no disappointment when it happens, which yeah, is that's a good point. Actually, I had very clever about death that. handling yeah. of, of kind of of again a time bomb in Little Women fandom. Also, <laughs> also this is not what the film is about. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, it sets that out. Yeah. yeah, it says kind of a lot as well, I suppose, about like the time period when it was written, where and how much people loved Joe in that they wanted the best for her, and at that time, the best for her was to find a guy to fall in love with and marry yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think like Laurie's is he can be really annoying, but he's also a really nice character, and you know. I can see why you just kind of want them to get together and people probably wanted that for the best for her and I like that Louisa Mayalka was like well actually yeah. I don't think this is a good idea but I still felt that pang of disappointment oh, when no, I yeah, actually 100%. saw you know because they felt like they, they did suit each other but that's what writers like her can do they can twist the knife a little bit when you don't but it's really nice that like we're allowed to love Laurie we're allowed yeah. to love Joe we're allowed to love their friendship and then we have to deal with I'm actually I don't want to marry you yeah. I love you you're my friend yeah. But I don't want to marry you. And like, we have to deal with that, even though we kind of don't want to. Like, yeah. part of us wants her and Laurie to have a lovely life together and they'd live, they'd live, they'd have had, had a really nice life, I think. But, <laughs> um, but well, they I mean, allow Laurie us that. never have played billiards again. <laughs> yeah, no, he, would, I mean, he was making up for lost time when he maybe got to he, Paris. Maybe apparently. he and Joe would play billiards together and get drunk in Paris and maybe they'd have lived that life. That's but anyway, more romantic. It's That's pretty great. It's, like, and like, um, uh, Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet have such a great chemistry as well mm-hmm. that you're like oh, come on lads you know yeah. um, they just they work really really well together um, they have the right you know. chemistry that you can also believe that they might be better off as friends yeah that's yeah. so yeah. true yeah, yeah. Re- it really is and it's such a heartbreaking scene when she's like listen dude this isn't going to work out and I-, I felt a little bit betrayed even though I knew it was going to happen about yeah. him getting with with Amy even you know they just feel like they're not quite the same couple but, but the, the I don't know why like, I'm so embedded into their relationship embedded but. into that time and I guess that's what's so relevant about it as well is that you know a, as close as they were as friends and how beautiful and effervescent they are and in love mm. like that it's 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 they deserve to be friends and they yeah. deserve to yeah. and there's no reason why they're not going to be have the mm-hmm. best life ever and I guess that's that's what's so kind of like profound about that decision and you know again even at the end even even with Bear as well it was kind of I did want the ending that she did kind of cheat and give me, but yeah. you know, it's uh, you know, like I, I, I still wanted her to find love and I still wanted her to, to, to have everything. But you know, I guess that juxtaposed with her getting the love that she wants, i.e., her book. that means yeah. more to me. And it's interesting the like the like that feeling of betrayal, sort like small feeling of betrayal when Laurie marries Amy, but there's a really interesting thing coming from that conversation that they have in the art studio where she's like marriage is an economic proposition and for him marriage is a proposition of getting into the March family and he just wants a family and she just wants you know a a good life and Mm -hmm. all of that and it's kind of like between the two of them while they have affection for each other you could just argue that this just works for us yeah yeah and it's I think that's it's kind of a Mature. strange, weird thing to put out there in the world. But like, this works for us. We both have affection for each other. You know, she wanted something, mm-hmm. he wanted something. 
it kind of works. And it yeah. wasn't uncommon probably for the time. No, no, I don't. Marriage no, was yeah, like exactly. an economic and proposition back the, then. And yeah. the pain and the, the unrequited love from Amy, like when she, you know, mm-hmm. when she does throw that strap and go like, I love you forever, you know. Yeah. I was like, she has. <laughs> she has. The blind. Look at her. I'm making him a mold of my feet. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Make sure it doesn't. <laughs> It's so the most adorable thing ever. Yeah. Make sure you don't give it to Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Speaking, speaking of Quentin Tarantino, actually, uh, just as a very brief aside, um, uh, when Greta Gerwig, when she wanted to make the film on film, oh, yeah. what she did was say to the studio, well, what's Quentin doing um, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah. What's he getting? Basically, she used him as a way to be like, if he can do it in film, because you're telling me it's too expensive mm-hmm. and nobody can use the cameras, which are all obviously lies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was like, yeah, fair play to her. Yeah, definitely. You've seen Quentin to get what you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in terms of a kind of, um, yeah, I, I kind of, Laurie's an interesting character, I think. And it's, it's interesting in terms of the way the Chalamet characters are kind of interesting. In like that. unable to sit in chairs properly. Yes, the lounge. <laughs> he doesn't have an ass. It's just sort of coils himself like a snake, he basically. He's so uncomfortable. <laughs> just had, like, what, what, what's there? That kind of line. <laughs> yeah, like that. Who just said Roman Roy? I said Roman Roy. He just, Roman Roy just can't sit in anything. So interesting. Yeah. There, there's very different. Different energy, That's though, I think. Different energy, but there's yeah. something really still interesting see them about in that comedy together. Don't oh, really please. <laughs> Gods of film. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Who are gods of film? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, no. But in terms of like, and it's kind of like Chalamet's character, particularly in Lady Bird, uh, where he has this kind of weird. He's charming, but also I believe the term is a Christopher Columbus. Soft boy and Christopher Columbus. Soft boy and Christopher Columbus. All sorts of things. But I mean, even here, for example, you have that sequence with Meg, where again, Laurie generally comes across as quite charming and quite loving when you see him interacting with joe and even with amy when he's a mess of himself and amy's very consciously calling him out on it and stuff like that you know she's but well with meg the situation well meg where he kind of sternly lectures her when uh, she's feeling really vulnerable when she's feeling really vulnerable and he basically becomes joe's mouthpiece to her Mm. and says all the kind of nasty Mm. stuff that joe would probably even even joe would think twice about it would be unforgivable if he went after beth at any moment (laughs) oh yeah he didn't do that at least (laughs) that would be the moment where you'd really kind of go for Uh, but i I do he treated her so horribly in that scene like it was so disrespectful i know it came from a place of like he was like horrified this is not you like and i i can get that but he treated her so horribly and I think the only way he gets away with it is that he got that eventually like he understood that he shouldn't have done that but even though again Amy's much more mature about it because Amy's like I do pity you I just wish you yeah. there it better so yeah, it's like I yeah. am still sorry for you I do like, recognize he's not a perfect guy and I yeah. really like that yeah. like we can like love him but also be like oh Jesus Laurie but like like your brother like that you're just like he's such a douchebag but also like uh, Jerry isn't he part of the family it feels <laughs> like he's trying to be a proxy for, for Joe, Joe in that scene, yeah. in that scene yeah. but do, doing it without any kind of, of affection the, yeah familiar sort of yeah, yeah. It's absolutely not his place that, to do it even yeah, like, yeah yeah that if joe were delivering that it would be more it would be in 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 well you do because in you the get, most positive yeah. way well you get yeah. that later on where she's like we can run away i'll write stories i'll tend tables like yeah. i mean that's the same conversation basically where it's like meg because meg actually does want to be there yeah. she is being herself she's just not being what joe or yeah. you know what laurie mm-hmm. as a proxy for joe wants her to be um because she's like i'm so happy give me this one night give me yeah. this one night where i don't have to conform to what my sister wants me to be yeah. and i do kind of i like that laurie is allowed to be 
an asshole. Um, a complete. And, and yeah. is he negging her? <laughs> has, he, has he read like a nineteenth century? Yeah, there was a bit. Of, there was a bit of that when I was watching it, where it's like, look at you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it, to be fair, it's... it does tone down some of the worst stuff from the book or the earlier version, where it's like, look at your dress with this line that you're wearing, kind of, mm. where it gets it gets actively kind of slut shaming. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. There they, isn't that. that down, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, like you're not covered in material all the way yeah. up to your neck. <laughs> Look at you. Yeah. yeah. And but. Bear kind of does a bit of nagging as well of uh, Joe when he reads her uh, her work. Oh, and yeah. I was a bit like, I what are you saying about thing. Joe's work? Like, yeah. I was just so annoyed uh, watching it. But he, you know, I thought that those scenes were interesting because the first time she has somebody criticizing her and telling her if you want to make money um you know there's this type of work you can do but actually if you want to be a proper artist you should do this work but i was also kind of offended on her behalf that this yeah. man was coming in and telling her yeah. this is how you should do things i thought that was really interesting i wasn't crazy played, about it you know? yeah <laughs> to be honest and <laughs> i got like, happy, like i got know. like what what like obviously that character functions as someone who is like if you want yourself taken seriously you have to take yourself seriously yeah I don't know. I, yeah. I just felt annoyed by him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, again, <laughs> and again, this is interesting look at the contrasting versions where like in the 1994 version, you have the Gabriel Byrne version of the character mm. who is even then Very looks old. significantly older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He looks, I, like, when I like, saw that when I was like 11 or 12 and I was just like, Who's this old man? What? Like, why, why isn't he Mr. March? That's my question. He's like an adult. He could have played Mr. March. I like, take Bob Odenkirk seriously in the first. Kevin Costner. Kind of, yeah. in, in the first that quite uh, kind of uh, when he came when he came in because like I suppose I I don't um, I haven't really watched very much Breaking Bad or, or Better Call or, Saul or Better Call Saul. But even in that, he's kind of uh, very very much kind of the comedic, um, uh, but. But yeah, him, him, him coming. You still know him from Mr. Show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. So yeah, I just kind of. They, oh, they, I, they, I I just started laughing. I have a lot of time in. for Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Oh, me I too. Think, but... I think like I I I think he's definitely from Better Call Saul. That kind of that more dramatic side of him uh, is there's so much vulnerability and mm. um and and pathos and just how he can look sometimes and i think you know i i, I think it was particularly odd casting just because odd casting. i just sort yeah. of was trying to wrap my head around the whole bob odenkirk lord dern bob odenkirk mm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean he and does look a little bit like baby yoda i suppose um, <laughs> <laughs> and again this is this is actually again like like laurie he's arguably a kind of a slightly different type of masculinity than you're used yeah, to seeing yeah. in a film which yeah. i kind of admire and, and appreciate um, but just sort of unbear, because uh, again, this is the thing with the difference between the 1994 version. Even though Gabriel Byrne, it's like little woman, big man yeah. um, type situation. The way that he's written there is much gentler and it's much more like, write what you write. This mm. is just my opinion. It is absolutely not my place to tell you, but you asked, so I'm going to tell you. Feel free to ignore it. Yeah. Whereas here, Bear's like, let me sit down and lecture you because I am terribly French he's, about it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, he was like man on the internet about it really. Wasn't yeah. Yeah. No offense yeah. to men on the internet, but some men on no, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally talking yeah. to men on the internet. Yeah, I know. I realize I've made a mistake here. I'm going to roll back. You know how men on the internet. You know how men on the internet react when Exactly. Yeah, when you call the men on the internet. Not all men, but some men. At Joe Marsh, well, comma, actually, dot, dot, dot. Basically, sort of like his Twitter go-to. Totally no, it, it, yeah, the, the guy in your MFA thing, and like, and he, and he tries to be a Facebook like, oh, nobody's gonna care who what I say when I'm dead. So I might as well just lay into you right now when you do care what I say because I'm important <laughs> and a critic. Yeah. And but it's I, so I, galling because he's probably like kind of giving this sort of presumably highbrow criticism, but that she's had to temper her work so much probably mm-hmm. because of all of the 
lowbrow kind of uh, uh, publishing comments that she, that she's getting constantly. This is this this gets was criticism at all. It was just no. like I don't like it. Well, yeah, yeah like, like you get critic or do you, I yeah, guess like, I, I've, I've met you all of three weeks ago, yeah. but I know what your voice is, and I'm going to tell you that you're not writing in it, yeah. which yeah. makes me yeah. Because if this is all he's yeah. read of hers, then what is it like some magical thing? They're like, oh, I bet she's actually really good. Really, yeah. yeah, she yeah. looks really annoyed me. Yeah, yeah. Like this is tell by her coats and hats. She has the same burn mark on her dress that I have on my coat therefore we must be alike this is kind of and again I mentioned I have a little bit of a qualm intellectually with the end of the film and this kind of gets at it which is the bear stuff right which is Louisa May Alcott um, as a writer and again a lot of the stuff in the film comes directly from her right Mm -hmm. so things like I'd rather be a free spinster and paddle my own canoe for example or even the line I can't afford to starve on praise which is a line from her own letters as well this is the thing about Joe and Alcott, um, and particularly Joe as a surrogate for Alcott, which is Alcott loved, loved writing trashy, throwaway adventures about pirates and murders and all this grotesque stuff. She obviously, like Joe, didn't publish it under her own name because she was worried about how it would reflect back in the family. Yeah. But this was the stuff that she absolutely loved writing. Mm-hmm. Little Women was not her idea. She didn't want to write Little Women. She was asked by the publisher to write it because they thought they might be able to sell something to girls. Her response was, I've never really liked girls. I've never really known girls outside of my family. I don't really care for them. What am I going to do? And she sent it to the editor of The Atlantic. Uh, His name was Niles. And in response, he said it was dull. And she was like, he said it was dull. I think it's worse. But what happened is, and again, this is something the film lifts from real life and puts it in the film which is that Niles and it wasn't that his daughters accidentally discovered it he gave it to women to see what women thought of it and women loved it Mm -hmm. and he was like yes we absolutely have to publish it and again you have the sense of Alcott being like I don't really want to be writing this but I need to support my family so again seeing it as being kind of trashy and throwaway and to be absolutely clear that does not diminish Little Women in any way shape or form the value of Little Women what it means to people who read it and who see themselves in it but I find myself a little the movie hinges a lot on the idea of female authorship and the idea of how important it is for women to be able to write their own stories and tell their own stories and it's very important for Gerwig as well and it's very much about Gerwig a certain control of the narrative and a certain the story that she wants to tell and that's very important and I think it's worthy of support and I think it's like worth doing in this context I find myself a little uneasy with how she uses so much of Alcott in Joe while ignoring a lot of what Alcott did as a writer where Alcott literally loathed um, what Little Women became to the point where in Joe's Boys in the final chapter she jokes in inverted commas about as an author considering having the earth open up, swallow the school, and bury it so deep that no one would ever find it again. Um, And like, you have Gerwig saying that what I want to do is I want to give an ending to Little Women that Alcott would be proud of 150 years later. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to do that, then what you would do is you would not make Little Women. You would adapt one of the trashy books that 
Bear trashes. One of the short stories that Bear dismisses and says, this isn't mm. you, this isn't well, writer. Your, your problem was that there weren't enough pirates. That was, <laughs> I think there should have been more pirates. Men no. on the internet, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm a man on the internet, unfortunately. No, I, I, like, and I get, I get that what Gerwig's doing, I get that Gerwig's asserting it's important, I get that Little Women is important, I think Little Women is important. And I don't think that Alcott's dislike of it devalues it in any way, shape or form. Much like I don't think that any artist's dislike of their work renders it meaningless or valueless to people who enjoy it. I find it a little bit uncomfortable where you're taking somebody else's work, making the theme. And again, this is the thing where Alcott, um, the, the film makes a whole point of uh, Joe holding on to the copyright. Yeah. How important that is. Mm-hmm. And like how specifically important it is because it prevents her characters being used in a way that she wouldn't want them to be <laughs> yeah. used. Okay. So in terms of yeah. like sequels or, or remakes or follow on stories and stuff like that. And it's interesting because Alcott did retain the copyright and made a lot of money off the copyright. Mm. And she retained it specifically because the publisher advised her to, which is, is interesting as well. I just, I don't know. I find, I, I think there's a tension there the film doesn't quite get at or explore. And I kind of, I have difficulty squaring that circle, if that makes sense. Is there something in it that, like, she kind of wants to say, Greg wants to say, you know, to Alcott, like, I recognize that you didn't value necessarily this book, but actually look at what you achieved with it and you should value it and maybe questioning whether Alcott didn't value it because women's writing wasn't valued or women's writing about women at that time still not maybe valued yeah, in many in many ways so is, is she kind of taking I wonder if she's taking that trying to reclaim that idea of women's writing is important um and that Alcott should be proud of this book about women even if she might have been like this is just for free or whatever there yeah. is that moment just like towards the end where Amy I can't think of the line but she says something about like it's just important that you write it like that it's not yeah, important yeah. that people like it it's important that you write yeah. it and like to me that line is like the heart of something yeah. there and and maybe it's maybe that I do think that if Greta Gerwig is you know changing the narrative like literally changing the narrative to create a new one and actually at at odds with the actual real story I think it's because she she really wants to get at that and that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. going back to what you just said I think it is just trying to reclaim that and like these stories are so important and Louisa May Alcott should be as proud of that as the fact that she kept her copyright which is yeah. also quite an accomplishment yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because like Greta Gerwig plays characters and writes characters like women who are like complicated women who you might not necessarily think are making the right decisions mm. and something like Frances Ha you know she could be seen as like just, just kind of not really connected to the world but just going about doing her own thing making bad decisions and yeah. I like that she brings you these kind of yeah. characters because she's like hey people are complicated just because yeah. you know writing a person doesn't mean she has to be brilliant uh, and she's also saying this has value because there's loads of other characters, you know, um, loads of male characters who might be complete idiots and we can love them too. So yeah. like, why not love the kind of full spectrum of uh, human behavior, I suppose, is kind of what I see in her work anyway. I would like to see an adaptation by Greta Gerwig of uh, some Louisa May Alcott a pirate story. Yeah, pirate, yeah. Vamp- pirate vampires, if possible. <laughs> no, no, and again, again, I get this. Do a get... combination. Like, you, you, you have those books that oh, are Pride popular. Oh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. The Alcott verse. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Or like, the vampires Little invade women the school. And pirates, and, uh, yeah. Rienock, I feel like you're the right woman for that job. To be absolutely clear, I, I absolutely do see the importance of it. I think it's very important that, like, Gerwig, as a director, and we mentioned this idea of authorship and how authorship is something that is reserved for men. And like, again, we talked about marriage stories last week with, with Tara and Donald. And we talked about like situations where, and again, I like marriage story, which is a sentence that inevitably has a but in it. And the but is that like so much of that is 
Baumbach taking other people's stories, taking stories that aren't necessarily his own. And like he does that throughout his work. Gerwig has talked about how like as his writing partner, also as his life partner and his mm-hmm. acting muse, what she has seen consists, and again, I don't mean to imply that there's anything improper there. She has talked about how comfortable she is with this and I'm not getting outraged on her behalf, but she's talked about how so many instances from her own life she will see turning up in Baumbach's films. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in While We're Young, the sequence where Gerwig talks about watching a Rottweiler tear apart a puppy, but laughing while ter- telling the story, is a sequence from her own life. Wow. The, you can read interviews with her where she has, like, almost verbatim Nicole's speech about, how, you know, her partner, who is a writer, reading her work and feeling jealous or yeah. petty and not necessarily being kind of immediately emotionally supportive in the way that you would hope a partner would be. Mm. And so I, I think that, yes, it isn't. First of all, it's entirely important for all women to be able to assert their own narratives and tell their own stories in their own way. But I can also see why for Gerwig in particular, it's as a writer yeah. being able to tell her story in her way and not appropriation that, yeah. Someone, yeah. Else, yeah. someone else that's a big yeah. yeah but yeah. I, I often feel like it's this exact conversation is something that I actively try to avoid myself when I watch something and sometimes you just can't help it because you know the history or you know the people behind it or whatever her story. but <laughs> the her story <laughs> um, but I I don't enjoy bringing real life that's anythings in, into films and I feel like if uh, whatever magpieing went on with Marriage Story and what that became I don't know any of it. I didn't even know he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee. Sorry. But uh-huh. I... <laughs> Darren has ruined marriage story for sure. I mean, no, 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 no. And I, I, you haven't because oh, I, yeah. I wouldn't. But um, but I, I think that an artist is trying to pull something out of them that is distilled from everything around them mm-hmm. quite often. And it does not bother me. And sometimes I'd rather not know. But I am able to go, I do know this now. So you haven't ruined it for me. You know, but like it, do, it doesn't bother me. But I think there's just different ways of looking at things because there's broader context and there's yeah. well whatever that context is it created this thing that for person for you know personally worked for me doesn't work for other people whatever mm. um but so i think it's same it's the same with greta gerwig like i didn't know what you just said about louisa may alcott going into that film or yeah. reading that book so it's not a problem for me <laughs> if that makes sense yeah and i think there's something to like you know, you know even without uh yeah like coming in fresh into a movie and still knowing the context of Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig and understanding that, you know, giving them the credit that they also might know these things and obviously respect each other's boundaries and mm. that's completely up to them. And, yeah. you know, like, it must be hard sometimes, but sure. To like... not read into things <laughs> and go, where did that come from? Or yeah. what that must be like, you know, but also giving them the credit that they're, they're too full-blown adults who are really gifted creators and obviously know these things and are and do something yeah. like so yeah and again I, i'm not pretending to be outraged on behalf of, of Gerberg or anything like that <laughs> i'm not like bringing the pitch for so i just found that kind of interesting and i yeah. think that yeah, there is yeah. and again I, th- I think it's absolutely worth again it's that's surely point out what the story means mm-hmm. yeah as separate from all that is much more important than any of that little nitpicking which is again the importance of women's stories and yeah, the importance yeah. of like celebrating the voice of women sort of in that context. Um, I think Little Women does that phenomenally well. Yeah. Um, Actually, as a side note, was the house, the exterior of the house that they used, was that Louise May Alcott's house? Because I'm pretty sure when I've seen photos of it, that's oh. it. It does look like it because it, yeah. it is in Concord. Um, and it was in, yeah, yeah, it was in Concord too. And it's, it's worth noting, actually, and again, this is the Alcott sort of family thing. And it's, again, not to get too distracted and talk about other adaptations of, of Little Women. Uh, worth noting that the Alcott family actually 
did a great deal during the Civil War, um, arguably even more than the March family did. Um, so, like, March's father went off to, to fight in the war because he thought it was just. She and, went to help, didn't she, as a nurse? Um, yeah, but it's also her uncle worked on the Underground Railroad. Um, and her great-granduncle uh, wrote one of the great anti-slave treatises as well. Oh, wow. Um, so, yes, they're very, very active in that. Which is, I, I believe the Alcott House is used as a uh, museum. Yeah. So they they they, they probably couldn't <laughs> use the interior. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris but, Cooper's uh, standing outside, going, "I just can't go in. It's it's not the same. Um, don't have permission." <laughs> um, actually, is there anything else we want to talk about, Little Women? Anything that because again, there's so much good stuff in here that we haven't even unpacked. Like say, uh, Meryl Streep's role. Ah, uh, yeah, kind of she was great, art. wasn't she? Yeah. She's really, really good. She's so fantastic. And again, your little painting. <laughs> um, and I absolutely adore the fact that like. Again, a lot of discussion about the Oscar nominees and what was missing and stuff. And I'd very happily, like anything to see, you know, J-Lo in there from Hustlers in the supporting actress category. I do find it almost hilarious that like Meryl Streep, who is, what is Meryl Streep in this year? Can we give her an Oscar nomination? <laughs> Somehow didn't get an Oscar nomination yeah, for this, which is... A strong year for yeah. supporting actresses. Yeah. But she was, I thought she was brilliant. I'm not always like, I mean, she's obviously a brilliant actress, but like sometimes I feel like Meryl Streep just like swans in, acts her arse <laughs> off and then leaves or something. And I don't, I sometimes don't get a personal thing from her. Mm. Um, but I, I loved her in this. I think she really relished it. And like, that's such a, it's such a meaty little role. Like it really is. But she, oh, she sells all those zingers so well. Like she's so With the little poodle it. as well. Yeah. <laughs> And again, does so much with relatively little as well, which yeah. is quite... And again, it's reassuring because, again, you do mention that Meryl Streep performance thing, like the Iron Lady sort of... Sort of yeah. Which, again, where the the Oscar goes the most acting rather mm. than the best acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's reassuring to see us <laughs> kind of a small, well-acted role from her, which yeah, is great as well. Yeah, really good. Um, but anything else? Does anybody have anything else that I You didn't talk speak about for half an hour about Louis Garrel. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I, I just I remember there being something on Twitter. And of course, I only kind of like glanced over it and didn't properly explore it because it was one of those little headliney yokes. But uh, and I go, oh, that must be true. But um, it was something about how Greta Gerwig had cast him knowing that, you know, and I don't really, I'm not really familiar with what, what he's like in the book. But, you know, he, he's against type or cast against type. And Greta Gerwig was kind of quizzed about this. And she was like, well, I've been... You know, like um, awkward girls have been wearing glasses and, or, you know, been beautiful but wearing glasses for so many years. I could do whatever the Columbus. I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, she did, she did make that observation, which I thought mm. it was a nice gender reversal to put a really handsome man Yeah, like in really glasses. got in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, yes, and again with his little sort of stubble on as well, which is... Yeah, I like that she can kind of do, you know, Greta Gerwig's kind of standing for, like women to do whatever they want basically yeah. and she's at that, that situation and that level now in Hollywood where she has yeah. so much more power than a lot of women do and she's part of a power couple and she's really kind of owning her moment and I'm sure some people might be able to might say oh it's kind of basic feminism 101 or whatever some people might argue that but I just think she's doing great yeah. stuff with yeah. what she's doing and yeah. the more people like her we have in power who seem open to collaboration and yeah, doing yeah. new things and and how candid she is about her experience the fact that she's open about saying things about you know what you know what is, what is Quentin getting, getting. Yeah. Is Quentin and, getting. Yeah. and about Louis Garrett's casting it's like I can just do yeah. this I'm <laughs> gonna do this she's and so I think real. that's really yeah. she's like a real person like you yeah. go down to the pub and have a pint with you her don't have to you know? be like you know you don't have to be uh you know female director author but be really nice about it and yeah. respectful yeah. of like you know we got here you know like a be you know be thankful and and show gratitude you know she's owning everything about yeah. her achievements in this and that's amazing that that makes me 
she Love seems it. very bloody joyful about it yeah. all. Yeah. Like that's yeah. something that like, even when she's yeah. complain like when she's rightly complaining about stuff or like you know being pissed off about stuff, <laughs> she's still like she's very joyful in everything she yeah. discusses, yeah. and she's just like you know she'll roll her eyes and like she'll just be like, well, this is but like there's something about the way she communicates that I find really refreshing. And that story about the Golden Globes that she I can't remember what chat show it was on, but she was talking about going to the Golden Globes with Noah and, you know, being there and having mm. to sit there for half an hour where he did press and everyone coming up to her and being like, you know, I voted for you. And she goes, no, you're looking good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have voted for you three times if I could have. It's like, not all of you could have voted for me. So yeah. Otherwise I'd be in there. And yeah. I just love that, like that kind of uh, mischievous calling out of the system because that's, that's, that's the a kind good way of to put it. Rather, like, yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like no, you fucking didn't. Yeah, <laughs> think of the knives out moment. I was outvoted. It was. <laughs> I, I would have you in the prize. But I was outvoted. Yeah. <laughs> but she's very. Um, she really does feel like a voice that we need right now because it's not necessarily an angry voice. Yeah. It's not necessarily a divisive voice at all. But it is political and it is. It it's very female. But it's not like it's very hard to watch Little Women and be like, oh, look at the angry feminists are at it again. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not that. It's just literally like, look, it's women and look what they're doing and look at what, what we put out into the world. And isn't you it lovely how women can create? Yeah. You can't. And it's a really nice way of communicating. Sort of clutching his yeah. fist in the air. Yeah. Lady Bird as well is the same where yes, exactly. like just every time you watch Lady Bird you're like yes she gets it it's yeah. so nice I, you know teenage girls lives so great to see it on screen and like it's just so refreshing to be yeah. able to to see films like that and Booksmart I know obviously she didn't direct Booksmart but I just think you know in a couple of years we have those kind of films yeah. like that yeah. more yeah. of that yeah. please more just please. stories that are and also to take herself yeah. seriously yeah. and to take her role as director and her growth in her yeah. career seriously because I think that's also you know, the, there, there's a feeling when you're a female director that you kind of have to fit into a box of what kind of female director you are. And, you know, it's something I felt for ages in terms of the kind of stories that I wanted to tell or want to develop into. You know, you can you can sense when there's certain policing about certain themes and mm. you don't really necessarily get the opportunity to own it because so many people want to own it for you and tell you where to go and how yeah. this is how you're going to develop. And that for me to find to, to to see how proud she is of her choices especially hearing stuff like you know she'll give the um the executives at sony one version and she'll just go off and do yeah. it herself it's like that's really really empowering to hear and to to be proud of your achievements regardless of whoever the fuck is going to vote for you yeah because there's something a little bit like no disrespect to Catherine Bigelow but there's something a bit galling about the fact that she was accepted by the, the powers that be in mm, Hollywood yeah, because yeah. she made films that like see women can direct cool films with yeah. action in them and war yeah and it's just like it's just like and it's not about her Which like she's great. very good but yeah. like it's just this notion that like what 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 does it mean to be a good director it yeah, means yeah, that yeah. you're you're able to come into like my world and make the films for me yeah. that I want but like actually we want people just going out making whatever they don't have to fit into the male space and like, the same about characters as well like one of the things about you know those lists of top 10 female characters of all time they're 
are, I mean, they're fantastic, but they are the same female character. It's oh, Ripley, Furiosa, yeah. uh, Sarah Connors, and it's stoic. Yeah. That's the, the, the epitome of the strong the James female Cameron character. James Cameron character. Yeah, yes. Acceptable. And or, or like, Joe March in there. Get her in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get Amy in there. And like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just enraged me so much last year because Margot Robbie's character was like the worst <laughs> thing I felt like I'd seen in so long. It was just this kind of cipher, beautiful woman, blah, blah, blah. And when you see that and you're like, what a waste of kind of talent and, and the real Ruby. life story they were trying to tell there. And then you compare it to something like this where there's a range of different people yeah, and you're yeah, getting yeah. so many different things. And you're like, oh, okay, this is, how, this is, this is what we want more of. I really yeah. liked, I liked her and it <laughs> a lot. I did. Yeah. But I, again, I just think I mean, it's like, a different She's amazing. Thing. So I, I think she yeah. did I mean, I liked, I liked the character yeah. and what they did with her, yeah. but I know that's very, it's yeah. very divisive. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll do that on our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood exactly. <laughs> <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would also go ahead and say I'm actually quite fond of I think that if Tarantino had tried to turn her into a Tarantino character, it would have been a nightmare. I think um, I had pictured that in yeah. some way and I yeah, was a bit like, yeah. oh, I'm going to hate this, but yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, and again, we can talk about the ending and the ending and the idea of authorship and changing historical events. Yeah. But I think yeah. that Tarantino's willingness to put a distance between Tate and his characters in inverted commas um, is something that I think is the best approach you could take to a subject like that as Quentin Tarantino. I was quite impressed with him for going down that road and not going down the road that you might expect Tarantino to go down. He went half down the road and then like swerved. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Afterwards onto a Uh, different road. Yeah. But in terms of Little Women actually and again actually sorry just to, to, to bring it back to what Charlene said there which I kind of agree with entirely which is that yeah, the idea of, and then we talked about the the Gerwig and the way that she approaches it, and the kind of the way in which it's not an angry film. And again, I think it's entirely appropriate that women for women to make angry films. Anybody who wants to make an angry film should make one. But I think it's nice to have a film that doesn't have to be angry to be taken seriously. Yes, because again, we talk. You can make again, a point and not have it be angry. Yeah, that's well. A, that, yeah. Well, that, that's exactly kind of what you said about like Catherine Bigelow. I. I find myself a little bit wary of criticism of Bigelow as a masculine director. Cause By I the think way, that, yes. I, what? She's, she's going to be directing the Louise May Alcott pirate stories. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. And wouldn't they be awesome? Uh, <laughs> 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 or the male space. Yeah. Starring Jessica Chastain as Joe March. Come on, tell me... Um, but no, I, I mean, but I, 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 I would also watch that. Yeah. As long as Timothy Chalamet is a vampire, I, I'm in. <laughs> How is Such a good vampire! I don't know. Uh, anyway, but, sorry. Again, that's a very good as Louis in uh, interview with the yeah. vampire. Where did we make this happen? Okay, go on. Sorry. It's also like The King, which, like, again, The King is not a great movie, but it gets so much mileage out of Timothy Chalamet as one of the best brooders of his generation. It's like, brooder. put a camera on his face, have him think about something, and it's like, yes, this works. Yeah. This is a movie. Movie. I'm crying um, now. Patterson's <laughs> the fool in it. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Is, is he emotionally present? We're not entirely sure. Um, <laughs> he's a very good eye actor. I think he acts with. Yeah. He's, he's just barely moving his eyes a lot. Yeah. Let's you know? think about this actually. Again, not to turn this into the Chalamet cast, but sure, why not? <laughs> if, we want, yeah. if we want people to listen to this, <laughs> 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 one episode only. But yeah, I think there's something about Chalamet that I think kind of speaks to a lot of young actors these days. I think of Kristen Stewart as well which is this mm. idea of interiority yeah. where you have like now it used to be that you had young actors who were very expressive and dynamic now it's young actors like Stewart um, like Chalamet I would argue where you put a camera on their face mm. and they you bite just, their lip but that's what you, you're like <laughs> I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what this character is thinking but I know that they're thinking um, yeah. and it's kind yeah, of being interesting to watch 
listen to that. It's a shame this is an audio yeah, medium because yeah, yeah, Andrew yeah. just literally transformed into Timothy Chalamet <laughs> or Christmas Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, 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 yeah. E- either or. Um, but yeah, no. I, but back to the, the kind of point that I was making, though, which is that yeah, I think that it is important that we are, that you have room for stories that are not angry or serious and treat them as serious or as angry as kind of you know angry being yeah. seen as shorthand for being important yeah. or serious or being... ideally you just need to get to that point where things can be taken seriously without having to be angry. Well, we're in that period where we kind of need to shout and scream, but then hopefully everything yeah. will get better and we're just making films about whatever Christopher Columbus want. Yeah, they don't yeah, have yeah. to be a political statement but that's yeah. what I felt about uh, Little Women like, and, and, and again it's even interesting that the thing I connected to the most in Joe was her anger and her dissatisfaction for other people's choices mm-hmm. and how she she funneled that anger or didn't funnel that anger and it um, it was such a you know, I think bomb is the right word for it. A bomb for the soul. It, you know, it's it's optimism and it's sweetness without being saccharine. Was you know, you know, you just felt taken out of yourself, and it's exactly mm. the film for the conversation that is constantly ongoing about Me Too and about female representation, and it just felt like a a, a healing bomb to, um to all of those wounds that have kind of erupted in the last yeah. few years. Well, that beautiful, um, surely the Oscar clip for Saoirse Ronan where she's like expressing her frustrations. Women. And yeah, but then that they allow her to go, but I'm lonely. Like that yeah. too, like that thing of like, I do want companionship. Like I'm yeah. not just like going around trying to be a writer and I don't care about anyone. I'm lonely. Yeah. Like giving, I, that kind of, um, I the felt in the room, what like listening to people reacting to that, that you think this speech is one thing, and then she kind of throws in the but I'm lonely bit. Yeah. You're not expecting it because I think it's almost like against what the like p- political statement, I have that in inverted would commas, yeah. <laughs> would be. And I think that was a really gorgeous little moment that I felt the people around me reacted to quite yeah. strongly. Well, that's, that's the beautiful complexity of it. Mm. Again, is that people like, wanting again, different things. Now people, yeah. But, yeah. but like exactly. acknowledging it and acknowledging that the two things, you know, may not actually be irreconcilable and again you can, yeah. you can you can imagine in, in this film that she's married Bear and that they have the school together and so she literally has everything that she could want yeah. um, but also even acknowledging that sometimes it feels like or you're you're supposed to think that they're irreconcilable you're yeah. supposed to be content with being successful you're yeah. supposed to be content with being taken seriously or being independent in inverted commas and that means that you have to sacrifice the idea of being dependent yeah. Um, and I like that the film kind of and Joe's speech in particular captures the complexity and kind of nuance of that. And especially yeah. about feminism and about, you know, in, in again, in an age where it feels, um, you know, everything is being perceived in a certain way. And, you know, again, being a f- female filmmaker and, and wanting to have uh, a viewpoint on the kind of female stories I'd like to tell as a director um, and feeling that there is a very often very linear and unnuanced approach to what kind of feminist you want to be or what kind of stories you should tell or what representation of women you should be telling it it kind of was a beautiful burst of nuance that was really refreshing in a film uh about feminism and about mm-hmm. female representation that was overdue definitely. i think yeah definitely yeah. it's kind of i think with with films like you want to be entertained you want to learn something sometimes you just want to watch some trashy whatever but sometimes you just want to be seen as well and i think that like so many different people could be seen in that like book you want in the film you could be recognized and just kind of like oh yeah i i empathize with that or i feel like that or oh you know and yeah that's and it's just quite really calm thing and about it's it. chilled yeah. about what it's representing it's totally. not like banging at home yeah. it's just yeah. like 
it, we exist in this world and we're really happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Is there anything else you want to talk about at the moment? Anything we haven't discussed already? I still feel like we should talk about how how Timothy can't sit in chairs. I just like, that's, that's, it's, it's just, minutes of that. like what is going he on? Shouldn't have to. He's built for he's, lounging. Yeah. He's a lounger. Yeah, he's a chaise Yeah, a chaise long of actors. It's yes. like yeah. laissez faire. Yeah. 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 I'm interested to see where he goes as well, though, with his mm. career, right? Because oh, all his characters. Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, like his next forty years are mapped out for him. That like, could be the case, actually. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, this is you see the complex, like how it's going to peak and go up and down, and as he, you know, becomes a man in his 30s as he comes a man in his 40s what roles he's going to do as long as he keeps working with great filmmakers he's yeah. Yeah, he's got but, good taste yeah, yeah which, is, which yeah. is important in an actor and taking a job because I'm kind of wondering about this because I, really I could never God, yeah. see him doing the Robert Pattinson thing because like, I mean Robert Pattinson is a similar sort of actor who's mm-hmm. been very interior and like has retreated from like his early roles I think Chalamet is yeah. much more comfortable well, he um, had good early some, roles. Well, that's fair. <laughs> well, somebody, somebody said about Patterson, like after after a kind of you know Harry Potter and Twilight, that's right. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, he was in. Uh, Harry he was Potter in the well. Goblet of Fire. Yeah. Um, that he, uh, I think somebody described him as an actor who is trying to um, become like less famous with every role, <laughs> um, except until Batman. Until Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is really such a surprising choice. Totally. Yeah. Maybe he realized that he had done enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, was now trying. I need to, now the cycle needs to complete itself. It's Maybe he's going to bomb it. But actually, it, it is interesting, like that. Uh, not to be getting into talking about Batman, but like if he <laughs> had gone away yeah. and done that, like you know done the indie thing and done it so well and he's been in such interesting stuff that the idea of him as Batman is really yes. intriguing to yeah. me whereas if you'd said to me a couple of years Twilight ago like, and I'd be like oh, Christopher like, I wouldn't watch that if you like forced me with sellotape on my to eyes be, to, be fair, to be fair to Pattinson he has joked that if Batman bombs he will go into making art house porn and I will believe it <laughs> he's plus, very funny in The King as well very briefly when he does oh, that he, yeah, he gets to do the yeah, quirky really. supporting comedy actor kind of thing you know is, yeah he just turned up with, on a terrible French accent yeah. and is like Ugh, you know for like <laughs> also murders a child like, yeah, it's so weird it's very much like Pattinson showed up on says like I have a list of things I want to do yeah. <laughs> I don't care this how house right I can do whatever I want Chalamet's the old me. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe, like maybe we're assuming too much, but uh, but uh, like I I guess like Batman movies could be becoming kind of serious now, where kind of an actor like I never played the Dane, I never played Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joker Joker will have more uh, more Oscars for acting than women will have for directing, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is quite a bleak and depressing oh, sort of possibility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, kind of like in terms of Chalamet's future career, joke. though, what? <laughs> which is the real joke. Yeah, <laughs> society. Am I right? Yeah. Um, I say that as somebody who has more affection for Joker than a lot of people. But yes, I think I do too. Um, <laughs> but um, in, in terms of yes, yeah, so in terms of Chalamet, I am kind of curious how that career <laughs> is going to go because you can like Saoirse Ronan will be doing movies until she's seventy, and Gerwig she'll be, she'll be Kate Blanchett, yeah. uh, Meryl Streep, right? Yeah. Surely. And, yeah. and Gerwig has joked about how jealous she gets when she sees. Saoirse Ronan acting with other directors and how like she's when she's, when, when she's writing there's always and it's almost that thing that kind of Andrew was joking about the 10 minutes before she replied said yes you are where it's like I kind of want to do a movie without Saoirse Ronan but that would mean doing a movie without Saoirse yeah. Ronan um, which is kind of an interesting sort of tension between between Where's the two she's going to win her Oscar Christopher Columbus four four she's nominations like she's only a child oh so good like, she's so happen. it'll happen no this is the fourth this, this is the fourth, fourth right? This is the fourth. Oh, okay. it's uh, Brooklyn Atonement um, and Lady Bird, Lady Bird and this she should get 
an Oscar nomination every year. She's just so good. I think she was so impressive in Little Women. I know we've already said that a lot of the time. Well, so like, yeah. Oh, she's just so good. I'm from Carlos, so obviously I'm just like, she's <laughs> oh, my, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> we have a local yeah. monument built in Granada. <laughs> we should. We've nothing else. Like, <laughs> what else are we going to put out there? Christopher Columbus. What's his name? Who's the jumbo breakfast roll song? What's his name? <laughs> Richie Kavanagh. Richie Kavanagh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's our other. I love the idea that there's like that's the county poll. Is that <laughs> that's literally like one. That's one, one both ends of the artistic spectrum. No offense I'm to Richie sure Cavanagh. Not do jumbo breakfast rolls. Oh well, whatever. I don't know. Richie something, Cavanagh. Something like that. Oh, sorry, you're right. Not sure. He did breakfast rolls, breakfast rolls yeah. taking off all the Richie Cavanagh stuff. Can you imagine yeah. both of them, uh, Saoirse and Richie Cavanagh, hosting a, a pub quiz? It'd be brilliant. I would like Look that. Look at Pope Prison Carlos. I would like that. I when feel like that's several grades ago up like below where Saoirse Ronan is right now. It's yeah, like, yeah, I'm sorry I have to cancel the Oscar lunch. I'm hosting yeah. a Pope Quiz. I'm busy. Quiz. <laughs> Saoirse's Garwig's. not free that afternoon. Yeah. As long as she brings Greta. Greta Garwig's real yeah. challenge is to get a truly great performance out of Richie Cavanagh. He's <laughs> <laughs> not even an actor. Yeah. As Joe March. <laughs> <laughs> This is how we win. All right, then I think that about wraps it up unless there's anything else that we want to talk about. But before we go, uh, what we normally do is we ask guests to recommend something, something that they're enjoying at the moment. I always forget about that. So with absolutely no pressure, we're going to go with Andrew first. Um, something that I enjoyed in the soundtrack was because uh, they, they it, it was it was a classical soundtrack. They had some Dvorak, some uh, Schumann, but they, they featured... Uh, I think it's Beethoven's 250th uh, uh, birthday yeah, this year. Um, this yeah, year. Yeah. And they had... Um, I thought it was his 250th the, symphony. And I was no, like, that's no. just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> um, only nine. But but the, the uh, uh, pathetic sonata, mm-hmm. uh, they, they used the second movement the I think, twice plays. in this. Yes, yeah. Bear plays it. And then earlier in the movie, you have um, Joe um, thinking about it, remembering yeah. uh, Beth. So when 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 oh. when Frederick plays it, it's kind of um, it's yeah, all you see the more it in the room kind of, and uh, yeah, yeah yeah, and he he presumably never knew that 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 was kind of one of her um, songs. But I'm I'll, I'll, I'll recommend. Or is Bear that much of a dick? <laughs> <laughs> you see that because it's like oh I, I don't want to impose. I'm not going to play. <laughs> but <it>. I see. <laughs> like, oh well, since you insist, because Bob Odenkirk is so nice. <laughs> But um, yeah, and I recommend the the uh, the Willem um, Kemp uh, performance of that. Uh, the he's he's recorded all of the Beethoven piano sonatas. I think it's on Deutsche Grammophon, and you can find it on uh, Spotify. Or anything. So yeah, Actually, check that out. to add to that. Yes. Uh, I'm in a, I, I, you know, I was telling Charlene this on the way in. I'm in a really weird creative headspace for the project right now that has a lot to do with music composition and. Uh, using music as a sort of a form of externalizing emotion for a character. So I've been looking at a lot of Irish contemporary musicians and, um, you know, this whole fantastic world that we don't really hear of because they're more popular in Berlin, more popular in uh, New York, like Ergodas, a crash ensemble, Linda Buckley, who is fantastic but lives in Scotland. Um, And in Hugh Lane, they have every month... um, uh, they had one recently with Ergodas. Next month they have Linda and I think Dunica Dennehy after that. Mm. Um, they have Beethoven Revisited. And if you oh, get wow. in, it's a free gig at 12 o'clock. Uh, get there mm. at half 11 because it's very popular. And it's a string quartet with the Dublin Quartet um, 
And what day is this? It's a, it's every Sunday. I actually oh. we don't have the. I'll find it for the link. Um, for uh, mm. for a, uh, a link later on. But um, Brilliant. it's uh, yeah. they've commissioned new pieces by new uh, Irish uh, composers. Last time they had Amanda Fury and Corvinus Lunny, and you know they're they're all quite relatively young as well, and they. They just have they have a different take on something by Beethoven, and it's just being in that room and it's great space. It just was brilliant, really, really brilliant. Um, so yeah, just carrying on the the Beethoven. And Charlene, if I'm sorry, if you have something you'd like to recommend, um, I'm so bad at this. I feel like I've done nothing with my time <laughs> the past little while. Um, <laughs> but I, can I just like recommend that everyone go see Parasite in a cinema? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I also it, recommend it'll be people out on Friday? Actually, it's, out, like, it's a very timely. I don't know when this is going, it's going to be out on Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. So this is like two days. You probably still then also have a slight opportunity to see Uncut Gems on a big screen, and I recommend doing that as well. Yes. It's not the it's same. A, it's not the same no, at home. I isn't. swear. I've watched um, it at home. It is not as. It intense. is not the same. Has... Do try. Uh, I know that's kind of up to me because I'm in charge of keeping it on screens. Um, but I will <laughs> try to keep it on screen as much as I can. This year's "Call Me by Your Name." Oh, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of fear of missing out or fear of loss. Like, like you're a, there were the only a few extra yeah, screenings exactly, of it. Yeah. Uh, but then also Parasite because I feel like Parasite is a really gorgeous thing to watch with an audience. So before people Talk give you too it. much context, and yeah, because you know Twitter is also it's been out for in so many different places. Yeah, you've already kind of got the movie spoiled in so many ways. Or how did they do the shot and how all these things are? Yeah, in don't, conversations. don't learn too much about the film. Yes. It's just it's it's beautiful film. Uh, like I really do think it's. I feel like the ship might have already sailed on the hype machine. So I apologize because I know I'm obviously part of that right now. But um, <laughs> but like really, it is like just a second deadly film you you really enjoy it but also my, my other thing is just try catch uncut gems on a big screen if you can and if not you have to watch it at home put away your phone yeah like turn down the, the lights start, yeah get just yourself like, swallowed by the screen basically please allow it to to do that for you and don't take a break that's the thing don't yeah. take don't, a don't break don't pause it, it. Don't, one. Yeah, yeah don't pause it no it's a two-hour <laughs> panic attack it's yes. amazing yeah was it, was it the past or the future where we spoke about the 40 expert <laughs> no, that was, that, we haven't God, talked about that yet the future people have, like to give you an idea of like uncut gems people have been and will continue to be recommending uncut gems on this podcast into at least late February, early March. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. It's, it's the great loser at the Oscars this year, yeah. if you ask me. But, it's oh, great yeah. because again, like I I whenever I mentioned it, but because of the way that we're releasing these, it seems like I just stole everybody else's idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, the lighthouse is just out as well. Yeah, yes. actually, we're, yeah. we're talking about this. The, like, we're talking about this with guests we were recording yesterday. This is like January is normally like a bad season for film. Mm-hmm. It's a dumping ground. It's a point before you get after you've got into the main awards contenders who've come out in November, December, and before you get to kind of like the summer blockbusters. Like this January has been insane. phenomenally good. Like I mean, yeah. there was a point where yesterday it was like, or sorry, on, on the thirty first, it's like, what are you gonna see? Are you gonna see you know uncut gems on Netflix for the first time? Are you gonna see the lighthouse in a cinema screen? Are you gonna see uh, Queen and Slim in the cinema? Maybe David Copperfield. David Copperfield is still not out yet. Coming yeah. out next the yeah. end of the month. I know. I know. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, just beautiful day in the neighborhood which i actually really really yeah. really really liked somehow i, I haven't over, seen Marielle this Heller, another yeah. overlooked uh, yeah an overlooked yeah, yeah. Well, like i'm talking about films that could have been extremely saccharine and it kind of is in its way but it also knows it is so it gets away with it very nicely but i think it's a really good film if yeah. anyone wants to check it out 
I, I haven't yeah. seen it yet and I, I normally see everything like that's how packed January is yeah there's a lot yeah. there really is a lot a lot of really good stuff though and Renuk, uh, I know you already recommended something, but if you have something else that wasn't kind of prompted by Andrew. Okay, Aoife. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to recommend Uncut Gems. Um, it's a really good film. I don't know if you've seen it. Also but, <laughs> um, but yeah, on a music, aside from Uncut Gems, which everybody has to see, um, I've been listening to two records a lot lately that just came out at the start of the year, so recommend them. Um, and one of them has a kind of a cinematic quality to it, so I suppose it kind of qualifies. So uh, Andy Schauf's uh, record, oh. um, it's so good, called The Neon, the Neon Skyline. And and he writes almost like he's a short story writer and there's all these vignettes about he about him going to the pub and realising his ex-girlfriend is coming along and her name is Judy and he just sings about going to the pub and it's really dialogue heavy lyrics and it's just people compare him to Raymond Carver and I think that's actually a really oh. good comparison yeah. the way he writes so and I just love his music in general so that album is a beaut and then Ifanessa Francis's album The Land of No Junction <laughs> is another one myself and Raina <laughs> having a moment here um, so yeah that's another amazing Irish album and she uh, made that and co-produced it with Ian Nugent who's like this preternaturally a talented guitarist from um, I think he's from Dublin and it's such a beautiful album yeah. it's like where where Andy Schauf is like Paul Simony, Harry Nielsen but a bit more low-key kind of like their low-key cousin uh, Aoife Nessa Francis is more like kind of folky uh, Riley Walkery kind of folk a little bit psychedelic a little bit Elliot Smith kind of occasionally in the guitar so I'm just loving There's a lot in there yeah. so a lot in those yeah, yeah. Right. so enjoy um, those I can't. I, like it's. A, like I saying, it's a weird headspace I'm in in terms of. It, you know, it was weird to jump into Little Women today because even up to the point where I met you earlier for the taxi, I was, it. I was listening to Penderecki and like you know, distorted, nasty, weird <laughs> ASMR tracks because wow. that's just the headspace I'm in for this next film I'm gonna make. Not a plug. Not a plug. But, um, you can probably encourage plugs. We're like, we're gonna, there's a second round after this. Like, we haven't, haven't made it yet. So it's, it's yeah. like a plug for a film that's not there yet. People will be listening to this podcast for generations. That's a good point. <laughs> Piece of history right here. There's going to be at least one listener after your film is released. Maybe. But this is like a, like the, the film I'm, uh, I'm in is kind of a, it's like a ghost story meets Phantom Thread uh, via Peter Strickland hypersensory. It's all about music and sound. And I think, you know, films that give, can tell a lot with uh, music and with sound are, you know, they're sort of elements you don't really see being pushed to the fore ahead of, you know, style and substance mm. and, you know, are, are in, in a story. And I think, you know, Duke of Burgundy is probably one of my favorite mm. films uh, because I keep coming back to it all the time and, and revisiting it. And it's, just how he handles so much emotional depth with absolutely mischievous style as well. And, you know, there's so much about Phantom Thread that I watched again last night for probably the 50th time that gets so underappreciated and, you know, um, assumed to be one thing. And um, I just, I just love movies that are just quiet in their emotion, but there's so much in the elements that a director can bring to sound music and design that can enhance your entire experience of sitting in a dark room and feeling something the lighthouse is definitely one of those as well so i probably recommended the lighthouse the last time i was on this but so the lighthouse but now it's finally again yeah. Yeah. yeah and phantom thread duke of burgundy rebecca um that's the kind of weird headspace i've been phantom in thread just came onto netflix like two weeks ago yeah, so exactly yeah you've been watching in fabric at all Oh, I loved it. It's not. It's not the same for me as Duke of Burgundy because right. I just love, love. You know the, you know the Prime Minister of Denmark. Um, 
Oh, Ber- opening. Um, I know where you're yeah, going to say. Nyberg. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, in, in high heels and... Yeah. Yes, please. But um, <laughs> I, I loved how absolutely ridiculously funny it was. It was just... In Fabric is just so wonderfully weird. And I wish there were more filmmakers, particularly female filmmakers in that kind of BFI space, even in Ireland as well, that, you know, had the license to do that. Yeah. And, right. and do whatever they wanted because that's the kind of filmmaking uh, that gets an audience and mm. or finds its niche audience and I wish we had more filmmakers like Peter Strickland that were given the license to do that um, and just in terms, in, in terms of recommendations for myself um, again mentioned it earlier but it's been a wonderful year in terms of film, female filmmakers uh, we talked about Portrait of a Woman on Fire we talked about Hustlers uh, Booksmart which got overlooked as well uh, Jennifer Kent's um, The Nightingale which is, is one that I really like but Ashley like Franziosi yeah, she's phenomenal yeah. um, and again it feels like it was kind of overlooked or kind of ignored which is a shame because she did The Babadook which is, is also phenomenal worth seeking out um, and in terms of recommendations and again it's interesting that Rena mentioned uh, I think Little Women being a bomb on the soul um, I had a similar experience with uh, David Copperfield, the personal history of David Copperfield, where, very brief, very personal story here, I took time off work in December, uh, and I took time off work, and that meant I got to do like the proper film critic thing, where I go to screenings and movies during the daytime. One of those days, I went to a double bill screening of Cats, followed by Star Wars, <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. I have been reviewing films for 10 Speaking years. Of bomb. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> yeah. I've been reviewing films for 10 years. And believe me when I say that's possibly the worst day that I've spent yeah. in a cinema ever. Your poor um, brain. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what happened is the following day, there was just one press screening. And it was the personal history of David Copperfield. And I went to it and it literally was a bomb on my soul. I came out of the Rise of Skywalker and I was like, maybe cinema's done. Maybe like, (laughs) maybe film has just reached a point where like, there's nothing more to do with it. Maybe it's just like. I got that sense. I haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, but I definitely got that sense watching Cats. I was like, is this what movies will be like? (laughs) Yeah. This is is just the end. I feel like. Is that all there is? Yeah. Is this how things will look and sound from now on? When we we talked to, when we talked to Luke about Cats, his response was, yeah, what's theatre doing now? Now. it's maybe a response coming out of that double bill screening but i went to the personal history of david copperfield the following day and it was yeah. just so warm it was, it was a delight it was, it was i think what Eva described a kind of a warm blanket and a cup of cocoa of a movie <laughs> yeah. it was like a movie that you know asked how my day was uh, <laughs> and then was, gave you a hug, <laughs> hug yeah. yeah it was it was just beautiful and i would wholeheartedly recommend it. it's been overlooked um it, again because of the windows of releasing it's not releasing the states until may um, and it was overlooked at the BAFTAs because it's ironically it was overlooked at the BAFTAs because it's not an Oscar contender but it got a it got a, a diverse casting, casting yeah, yeah which is fantastic the casting's amazing that's brilliant yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, again the whole film is amazing so I would wholeheartedly recommend that and then we're going to just do another quick round if you have something you want to plug if people want to find some Charlene some Marinoch or some Aoife whether online or maybe even in a cinema in say February <laughs> yeah. or March sold out um, baby yeah Woo! whoa okay. Hey. okay whoa okay well, well you can still mention it like, <laughs> yeah. there will be cancellations but uh, yeah, what well, won't be cancellations <laughs> <laughs> okay I meant because like people have accidents, not because they don't want to go. What do you mean? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make people have accidents. <laughs> people who have had accidents Stop will be talking. like, I have to get to the cinema. <laughs> but anyway, so Charlene, if people are looking for a bit more Charlene in their lives, where can they find you? Um, I I usually just in an office, so uh, nowhere really. But um, <laughs> uh, but I'm on Twitter and at Charlene Leiden, and I don't really do an awful lot except talk about films. So if you like, here, I say it very 
smaller. <laughs> Very smaller. Oh, yes. And hopefully more succinctly on there. Um, but also go see all the films in the lighthouse because, you know, it's nice. And if you're go in Galway, the in the go to Palos because that's my other cinema in Galway. Uh, I'm sure you've loads of listeners in Galway. But um, but yeah, um, do go see the lighthouse in the lighthouse because it's, it's really great. <laughs> if you're really which you know yes. clearly I am <laughs> I know that's another thing we share is, is, is we you know and I think another reason why I think Little Women is so profound for us is that our tastes are very dark and darkly aligned very dark yeah. um, you so know. we were waiting for Beth to die <laughs> <laughs> like Scarlet Fever here we come um yeah, sorry, I had too much coffee today. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, the lighthouse is also like a you know New England type story. You know, it's a period exactly. piece. If you I weren't into Little Women, it, but you're really into New England, <laughs> yeah. just go see the lighthouse. Yes. <laughs> um, but Rena, if people are looking for a bit more of yourself and then particularly like your work, where would they maybe find it? Um. Well, I I, it, I my short film Break Us is going to be on in the Dublin Film Festival on the first of March. The screening is on a half five in the lighthouse um i believe it's sold out but you know i you know I, you can always get tickets to these things just you know harass people outside if you want to politely but, um, politely yes um pretend, but at the same pretend to be two people get into like a big coat oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. find somebody who has a ticket and get into a giant coat you have to anyway, also buy charlie knows these but yeah also go see everything that's on during the Dublin Film Festival in mm. the Lighthouse because it is a fantastic uh, ah, program this year. Yeah, uh, it's really good. It's, great uh, Irish film as well this year. Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic showing for Irish film. There's a lot to recommend. We're not. We did a crossover with the Film Festival last year. We're not doing one this year. So yes, go go and see it. Um, go and see the Dublin Film Festival. And Aoife, if people are looking for something from yourself, yes, you want, you want more of my ramblings. Um, besides the kind of works stuff on the journal where I don't really get to ramble as much as my editor um, at all um, but I do some film stuff on there and other arts stuff on there too um, but I do a podcast with my friend uh, Lauren which Lauren Murphy which is called Get Around To It um, and the idea is that like listen we're in our 30s it's hard to get around to everything we'll get around to stuff and then talk about it so we talk about film but we talk about books and music and TV so generally every month we have like an hour long bumper episode where we talk about all the stuff we that we've enjoyed or maybe you're on the fence about or whatever and then we give some recommendations and Lauren is a full time um, music writer a freelance writer and so she really knows her stuff about that sort of thing so it's always fun chatting to her as a friend and kind fellow journal and uh, we're on twitter at get around to it pod i think uh, just like to get around to it. Um, i'm really bad at remembering what the social media is so uh, sorry about that i'm on instagram but i haven't updated it in a while but we have a new episode coming out soon and so it's just two gals sitting in a kitchen generally drinking maybe a bit of wine and having an out chat so Sweet. if that sounds like your kind of thing then and i'm on i'm on twitter too Sweet oblivion 26 but uh there we go. That's a very, very hard handle to remember. So. Oh, at least it's not Rina Kniji, is it? That There's is like, we're, we're, we're off, of a, off a theme here, I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 do, we do include all this in the show notes as well. So if you if you <laughs> are kind of curious, yeah. Um, and also Andrew is now wondering if we should add wine to the 250, if that's the plan going forward. Yeah, we tried that. We did whiskey. try, Jamie. We did add we whiskey. We tins one time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I say this, you... Oh, actually, you did have whiskey. I did have whiskey. It burnt. <laughs> <laughs> I had like... 
It burns. It, it had oh. like a centimeter of just, whiskey over three and a half hours of listening to yourself, just, Jane Phil, talk about the Irishman. It was great. Um, <laughs> got through like two balls of Jameson between them. over in pain <laughs> yeah. from his tiny <laughs> Yeah. Whereas Jay and Andrew and Phil were like, top it up there. Um, <laughs> He's gradually getting further away. Away from the microphone. microphone. Oh it's great when you're listening. Yeah, as a listener, you can kind of experience that yourself. It's like everybody else's speech becomes slurred. Um, it, it was uh, really, really interesting enjoyed that actually um and if you are looking for the 250 online um what we're doing this week is we're trying to cram in as much as we can before the oscars so we're releasing this episode midweek we're going to be releasing on saturday myself and andrew will be discussing sam mendes's furtative front runner uh 1917 uh, yes maybe yeah. shouldn't have used that word um, but yes presumptive <laughs> presumptive uh front runner at the moment um, for the Best Picture Oscar. So we'll be talking about that. You can follow us online at at the 250. Uh, we're on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and iTunes, wherever good podcasts are sold. The, the, uh, presumably the, the Twitter handle at A-Q-U-A-N-N-I-U-Q-A is now available. Andrew quit Twitter. Um, <laughs> quit Twitter in September, actually, but this well, is the first time we've been I'm able to... Lazy. Like, I, I, did, I was only just retweeting things that you were tweeting anyway. So, the plan was, yeah. I think, originally that you would is the Facebook, the 250 Facebook. And I'm doing a great job. You really are. It's <laughs> off the charts. It's on, I can't track, can't even track how well it's doing. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we'll be back uh, on Saturday talking about 1917. Until then, take it easy, guys. Bye. 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 Yeah, um, our, our pleasure at all. <laughs> 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 thanks, 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 Andrew.